0: welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broaden our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I'm here with Michael. What's up, guys? And Jason. Hey, everyone. What's up, guys? How you doing? Doing good. Glad we don't do that big pause thing anymore. No, that was an experiment and it didn't work. It threw me off. I liked it. Maybe That's it'll weird. come back. <laughs> I'm doing okay. When the mood hits me, yeah.
1: It's been kind of a rough week. A lot of deaths around in our group. Yeah, right now. Sad times kind of sucks, but I'm happy to be here. Talk about movies with people that I care about. We're glad you're here too. Welcome to Cry Exposure.
0: (laughs) Are we just lay Michael's feelings out on the table? (laughs) Oh God. Well, I'm excited because we're starting a new block.
2: Yeah. A new block of what?
0: Talking about made-for-TV movies. Whose idea was that? Yours, Jason. Oh, oh, (laughs) yeah. You uh, masterminded this one. I'm glad you've done it, because now we're moving into more of what this can be, right? Like We've started with genres, which is cool, but we could also do a type of movie, and this is one type of movie. Mm -hmm. There are no rules here, Dustin. Very particular.
1: There are no rules. Mm -hmm. We know this, because Dustin breaks them every week when it comes time to... (laughs) What did I do? You
2: pick TV shows and stuff instead of movies. Oh, yeah, that's fine.
0: So today we've got Michael's pick to kick us off with 1971's Duel... Directed by a little guy you may have heard of, Steven Spielberg. But first, like I, always... I
1: do need to offer a quick correction, though. I found out... I said this was in the last episode as a lead-in for this one. I said this was Spielberg's first directorial uh, thing. It was not. It was his second. He did some piece of shit before this.
0: What did he do? Do people even count that one, though? I don't know. I don't, I, think
2: think, so. I don't think... I think this is his first feature, isn't
1: it? No, it said... On, on the Wikipedes, there was something mm. else, but I didn't really care. You know
0: anyone can edit Wikipedia, though.
2: Yeah, anyone can go on there and fuck around with it. Yeah, well,
0: Anyways, well, I Jason, may or may uh, not be right. I don't know. Well, you Jason fact-checks us on that. Uh, first, as usual, we're going to warm up a bit and talk about what we've been watching. But before that, I have a podcast shout-out. Because <laughs> we are part of the Prescribed Film Podcast Network, and we're super excited about that. It's really awesome, and we have a lot of cool podcast neighbors that are on the network Very supportive people, too. I like them. Yes, and we're under no compulsion to do any of this, but I am excited about it, and I want to check them all out and shout them out, so I got another one. And this time, the one I checked out was The Movie Defenders. And here's just their kind of blurb about what they are. Uh, They're a podcast which discusses the positive aspects of popular movies. Uh, Most movie review podcasts spend the entire time tearing down the movies you love instead of celebrating them. They take popular movies that have been ridiculed by the critics and step up to defend them. So come listen to a fun discussion of the movies you love or perhaps reconsider a movie again that you didn't like as much the first time around. They should do Brimstone. (laughs) Um, That would be funny. Uh, If you like movies, you found the only podcast with movie reviews that loves them as much as you do. Nice. So uh, it's two hosts. They both have good voices. I always appreciate that. Good sound quality. Good stuff. Uh, I checked out some recent ones they've done on superhero films, right? Because a lot of the podcasts on the network, we all focus on horror. Even us here, we focus a lot on horror. So it was cool to see like any blockbuster that's been recent they've done an episode for. Um, and yeah, it's a cool stance. Like, it's not that they only focus on the positive. Like, they do have criticisms and critiques. It's just they choose to like emphasize the positive aspects first. Um, which I. I don't know how I feel about that totally. Like, we tried to do that here. Like, I don't know. I think it's good to have the balance of the criticism, too. But I get their point in that, like, there's so much negativity out there... Right. ...about any movie, no matter what it is. You can go online and find just, like, vitriolic hate about it. Sure. So it's cool to take that stance and to be like, hey, you know what? We're just going to focus on what we like. Even if we don't enjoy the movie, we're going to say, well, we didn't like it, but here's these things that are cool about it.
2: Nothing wrong with
1: that. I always try to approach things like... If I rip on something, I try to think, like, this might be somebody's favorite thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be the dick that's just like... Yeah, don't be me with Brimstone. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: the joke that'll never die.
1: Because especially as Star Wars fans, you can... It's like a Schrodinger's cat mm-hmm. thing where you both have to simultaneously hate and love Star Wars at the same time. But it's hard being a Star Wars fan because so many people will rip you for it. Right. Well,
2: one, there's one way to... Criti- you can criticize something nicely and intelligently. Yeah, and also, a person doesn't need to take it personal, you know. But
1: it, I also like if I'm wearing too a, many.
2: Too many fans have ownership of IPs. If and
1: I'm stuff. wearing a Star Wars T-shirt, I don't really think you should open the conversation with like, "Man, Star Wars fucking sucks." <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's Jedi sucks. I'm yeah. glad you brought up Star Wars too, because actually, their like starting episodes was to do the prequel trilogy of Star Wars. Oh, nice. Because you know that's one of those things that's been maligned quite a bit. But there has been a little bit of like, in more recent times, I think in the wake of like so many memes and stuff, people being like, eh, you know what, I kind of like them.
2: There's positive things to say about them. For I've sure. gone back
1: to them more recently and I'm, I didn't have the fervor that I did for them as a child, mm. but I didn't have the hatred that I had of them like maybe six or seven years
2: ago. Yeah. Now I'm more just kind of in the middle, like they're there. I've well, always liked them. Attack of the Clones is now my least, my second least favorite Star Wars film.
0: And Jason, you know what? I'm in a good mood, I'm gonna say this. The Last Jedi? It's got good color grading.
2: <laughs> Alright. Yeah, okay, that's something.
0: Anyways, that's the movie Defenders. Go check them out. I'll put the link in the show notes. They were super fun. I had a blast. Give them a listen. Awesome. Well, who's gonna kick it off with what we watched? I think I will. Do it. That's cool. I I yeah. rarely go first, I notice I, I hold back. So
2: <laughs> this You wanna make sure that we're happy first before <laughs> yes.
0: This this movie has a story attached to it. That involves you, Jason.
2: Oh, God. So, uh So,
0: it was just a week or two ago, we went and checked out X, mm. and it was your big return to the theater. It
2: was, after like two plus years. Mm-hmm. The last film I saw in the theater was uh, Gretel and Hansel. Oof. It's not bad. It's
1: not <laughs> bad.
0: I still haven't watched that one. It's fine. Um, yeah, but we went, we checked it out with a uh, friend of the show, Zach. Yes. Cool guy. Shout out to him. Mm-hmm. Um... I want to know what you thought about it. This is my thing, but I want to hear your thoughts real quick. Just write them off.
2: Um, I actually, I, I really liked it a lot. Uh, a whole lot. Mm. Um,
0: Directed by Ty West, who, who I love. And who
2: I've always kind of had a uh, love-hate relationship with. Because mm. I really like uh, House of the Devil. Yeah,
0: one's fucking great.
2: Amazing. And I love
0: The Sacrament. I know a lot of people are... I need on to watch one. The Sacrament. I
2: haven't watched that yet. I meant to. Um, I know it's
0: just Jonestown done in modern time, but like the performances and the way they frame it is so good.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, X, ah, man, X. I, I
2: really like it. Like, a lot. I think on Letterboxd, my rating is four and a half.
0: Ooh, that's dangerously high for you. Isn't it, though? Um, I'm but, not that high on it. Okay. I'll say I really like it. I think it's good. It's not great.
2: Yeah, I don't want to get into spoilers because it's still so new. Of course, by the time yet. this drops, yeah. to be like...
0: I still won't hit on spoilers. I think I just had a lot of hang-ups with the narrative when I thought about it afterwards. I was very excited in the moment. And it's one of those things like... I don't think it's a spoiler to say this. There is another film, a prequel... That's out there for it. That's going to come.
2: So I'm not sure where your hang up's at. We need to talk about this. Sometime. We do.
0: Maybe once it's been out for a while more. Yeah. Or if we get the right topic, we can actually do an episode. Cause I do think there's stuff worth it, talking about. It,
2: it said a lot more than I thought it was. It was mm. deeper than I, th- it affected me more than I thought it would. It had some good kills, had good performances. Great shot kills. well.
0: Yeah, I, I loved it. If you haven't seen it, go see it. I think if you've enjoyed any kind or of like seventies horror at all in any ways, you, yeah. you'll dig it. You'll love it. It's got a great like style throwback to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Jenna Ortega is awesome. Please do more horror films. You are amazing. That's like two stars right there for yeah, any movie. Automatic. Yeah. Did you watch the
1: second Babysitter? Yes, movie? it was amazing. Like she made
0: it. Yeah. If it, if she wasn't
1: in
2: it and. I guess it's, I need to go back and watch that. She
0: like steals the show in every film. She really did. Even in Scream, that which I didn't care for. She was like the best part of that.
2: Mia Goth was really good too. In oh, ex. yes.
0: I'm, Everybody was good.
1: I know everybody's apprehensive about the Wednesday show. Mm-hmm. But, Extremely. But she's so good that I'm happily able to give it a chance. Well, I thought that about Sabrina that,
2: you know, I like Karen Shipka a lot, but I just couldn't stick with that show. I mean, and I'm, I'm afraid this is going to be basically
0: Sabrina. I watched it Right, but now they're bringing in Christina Ricci, so like, yeah, boom, there you go. Another... What do you want? What else do you want, Jason? Come on, <laughs> good coherent plot. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, X is pretty cool. If you're a horror fan, you need to check it out. At least see what you think. I had fun.
2: Excellent,
1: Michael. Well, mine's a downer. So, Jason, do you want me to? Do you want me to be the middle? Sandwich? You be the middle. Okay, um, and I'm cheating according to Jason. Uh, i'll allow this one i finally (laughs) got in the mental place that i could watch midnight mass
0: oh okay
1: dustin you haven't watched that yet
0: right um i tried to watch like the first episode and then i said you know this seems like a really long drama that's Mm. gonna kind of have a little bit of horror in it and i checked out
1: all right you're not completely wrong on that there is horror in it there's plenty of horror there's plenty of really cool stuff but man something about flanagan i love flanagan he can write such beautiful dialogue that, like, I, and I will preface this by saying, um, The Haunting of Hill House broke me. Mm. Like, emotionally just broke
0: me. <laughs> it was great. It was you know, I never so... watched those either.
2: Oh, dude, it's good. I, so
1: I never finished The Haunting of Blind Manor because mm. it was out near the same time as, um, midnight mass they were kind of close together and i wasn't in the emotional state that i wanted to
2: have my soul crushed yet that yeah. was fine but not as good as haunting but
1: haunting of hill house man i bawled that last episode like i just wow. bawled um and similar things with midnight mass if you're familiar with the plot um essentially it's a an island town it's a fishing town in the northeast uh, or maybe northwest North nah, i don't, it's I don't think it's in the it, ocean i don't think it's supposed to matter it's one, one of those oceans um it's a an, an island town, and their their priest um, is replaced by um, a new guy mm-hmm. that supposedly is going to bring miracles to the island. Um, but there are some caveats with those miracles and what they are and how they are performed.
2: It's very Stephen king which it's isn't
1: surprising. It's kind to of Salem's Lottie, in a way. In some ways, yeah. Speaking um, of
0: made-for-TV movies. Yeah. yeah.
1: But acting everybody in this in this whole series was just like at the top of their game. I Mm. I loved watching every single scene because every actor was so committed to the character Mm. and you're not wrong. There is a lot of drama and it's very emotionally filled. Like Jason, when I text Jason told him I started watching it he was like, uh, it's not a light watch. (laughs) He's
0: like, buckle the fuck up. Yeah. He's not, it's (laughs) not
1: a light watch at all. Especially, I mean, I have a lot of issues with death and like, Things surrounding that and mm-hmm. the what my upbringing, so it's kind of like it really plays with that, and especially if you grew up in church like we did, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that you kind of hits you in the feels. Mm. Um, absolutely loved it. It's like seven episodes. I think so. I think on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, but God, man, if you like Flanagan at all, any any Flanagan thing, which I didn't realize. Did you know that um, the main person in there the main girl she's also in all of his other stuff oh yeah mm-hmm. that's his wife yeah mm-hmm. I did not know that you didn't know that no yeah that's his wife
0: he like a lot of directors I think he has certain people that he'll always cast yeah if possible
2: I noticed a lot of um, unlike other filmmakers wives however though she can act
0: really <laughs> well, so. whoa yosa. Uh, I'm not
2: naming names uh, yeah but there's a lot of the same
1: cast from uh, Haunting of Blind Manor I've got like two episodes in wait that wait, wait can
0: we back up so was that a Rob Zombie joke or a Tim Burton joke I don't know. I didn't
2: name names. <laughs> I would go for the Neil Marshall joke. Choose your own
0: adventure. Uh, hmm. I think Sherry Moon Zombie is pretty cool. I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. Michael, continue. Uh, I don't really have much more to say about it other than to just
1: gush over it and that if, mm-hmm. if you feel like it's something that you might be interested in...
0: Um, it's one of those slow reveal things too. Like, but it's on Netflix.
2: Oh, he yeah. doesn't want to watch it. Yeah, the,
0: they made the award-winning Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. <laughs> yeah, I'm all about it now. I swear to God, the purpose go. in
2: life is just to piss me off.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm super excited though for Flanagan's next thing. I think he's doing uh, what was it? Is a Poe story, right? Uh, yes. I think it's House of Usher. Yeah. Mm. So I'm pretty excited for that because I just I think he's a great writer, and I'm excited to see what he does with it. Yeah, me too. Cool. So Midnight
0: Mass. I did check it, it out. Jason, what you got?
2: I have a movie called Wilderness. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out in 2006. It is Irish. It has uh, Sean Pertwee in it. Who? Michael's a big fan of him. He was in Dog Soldiers and Doomsday and all sorts of... I do like Sean Pertwee. He's a Neil Marshall yeah. alum from when Neil Marshall was... Really good. All right, I dig it. Um, basically, it is about well, I'll read you the little blurb here. <clears throat> Juvenile delinquents are sent to a small British island after a fellow prisoner's death, where they have to fight for survival. Um, it's 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 good. I like it. It's fun. <laughs> it came out during the whole like new extreme kind of movement, mm-hmm. so I think it kind of got lost in the shuffle. It's not as cruel as a lot of those movies, like you know, Hostel or Saw or something. But there's some pretty gruesome deaths and kills in it.
0: Sounds a little uh, Battle Royale kind of. Uh, not no, re- not really. No,
2: mm. it's not. It's not, They don't. They don't pit the delinquents against each other. Well, there, a, there's it's unfortunate. Someone or something on the island wanting to kill them. Mm. Uh, yeah, some pretty good gruesome deaths without giving away too much. In case you want to check it out, it's easily to find. On I think it's on Tubi. Uh, but uh... I wish we could get a 2B sponsorship, but they don't charge anything. <laughs> yeah, so. right, right, right. right. Uh, if you like, um, it, like, it's one of those movies without a lot of redeemable characters. Mm-hmm. Everyone's kind of a shit, but of course they're like, you know, juvenile delinquents so they're not going to be like nice people.
1: You don't have the one that's just misunderstood and he didn't actually commit the crime. No, through, oh. no, <laughs> like no, I did it. <laughs> I did it. I stole that. Yeah.
2: Um, but I think if you like that sort of a rougher movie, check it out. It's 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 pretty good. It's um, I was going to say something about it. Now I lost my train of thought. Oh, Uh word of warning. However, there is some um, violence against a dog, Uh-oh. but it's a mean dog who's trying to kill someone. So it was self defense.
1: Oh well, there's also violence against cats and um. Midnight Mass, so I should probably say that. Right. Sorry. So,
0: in case that triggers you. There's a killer alligator in X. Pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) See, I fucking
2: love that movie. The more I
0: think about that movie, the more I love it. No, I like that part. I'm like, "Ah, there's an alligator
2: too? Holy shit!
0: (laughs) It made me think of Eaten Alive, and I was like, yo,
2: more people need to see that movie. Or the classic movie simply called Alligator. Yeah. Hell
1: yeah. That's such a great poster.
2: Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, So, yeah, that's Wilderness. Go check it out. It's fun.
0: Cool. All right. All right, so today we're talking about Duel from 1971, directed by Steven Spielberg. But first, this is starting off a whole new block all about made-for-TV movies, so... Like every time I've grossly overprepared with tons of notes, we need to talk about this. Late on us. So, what is a made-for-TV movie? Which
1: one of you motherfuckers is squeaking? Um, I
2: think it's you. No, it's not me. I think it's James. You look like you're riding a bantha. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this Dustin, is like go a ahead.
0: Ouija board thing. Like you're moving it. No, you're moving it. <laughs> Sorry. Hang on.
2: Wow, I think it's you, man.
0: <laughs> oh my anyway, god!
2: Hey, Dustin, what is a made-for-TV movie?
0: <laughs> well, a television film, which is also sometimes just called a television movie, a made-for-TV movie, or a TV movie, is a feature-length motion picture that is produced and originally distributed by or to a television network.
2: Now, what is a television?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think we need to drill down that far. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but of course, as we know, this is in contrast to theatrical films that are made explicitly for their initial showing in a movie theater. Now, some things to orient us on this. We shouldn't confuse this with direct-to-video. Big difference. direct-to-video, a.k.a. straight-to-video, refers to films that were made to go directly to home video on VHS, DVD, what have you. That's a different block for the future. Um, And definitely one we'll get to because Mm -hmm. I love me some full moon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So how did this come to be, right? So uh, there's some precursors that what people consider like right before we would have the, quote, for sure, television movies. Uh, There's stuff like Talk Faster Mister, which aired on W.A.B.D. in New York City in 1944. It was produced by RKO Pictures. Uh, In 1957, there was a Pied Piper of Hamlin film based on the poem. And it was one of the first filmed family musicals that was made to come right to TV. Hmm. Um, It was also made in Technicolor, which was a first for television, which used the... um, Older style of like color processing. I forget what the name of it. I wish I would have put that in my notes now. It escapes me. Yeah. I, don't know. I can't remember oh, well, it at the moment. Too bad. I'll, I'll throw it in the show notes.
2: And these were also to combat uh, movies at the cinema, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, help to keep people you know at home to watch their TV sets.
0: Um. So yeah, uh, a lot of family musicals. That's a thing to talk about. Um. There was a Peter Pan from back in the day that was a big deal. Um, yeah, Disney
2: did that. We all know. About not that. not that one. Oh.
0: Right. Um, but these were things that weren't, like, film-filmed. They were, like, broadcast live and, like, recorded during the broadcast and made to, like, play again on TV for cheap. It's, like, a good thing. But that, that's kind of just ahead of, like, the actual deliberately made for TV. Right. Um, so in the range of TV, we're talking about this time, like, the 40s and the 50s, most television networks were very hostile about the idea of having film programming. They thought that it would, like, mess with network arrangements, with sponsors, affiliates... And it would maybe encourage station managers to make independent deals directly with, like, advertisers and producers of films. Hmm. And just kind of, like, bypass the whole system they already had set up. Um, at the same time, you had other stuff going on. Like, in the 50s, there were a lot of American television shows. And they would kind of bundle episodes and then call it a film and run it in overseas markets.
2: Ah, As a way yeah. to, like, recoup right. more money back. Okay.
0: Uh, So, important thing for us to know is that television networks were in control of the most valuable primetime slots available for any programming. Uh, So, syndicators of independent television films had to settle for fewer markets and less desirable time periods. This meant much smaller advertising revenues and license fees compared to any network-supplied programming. So, the actual, like, let's say, made-for-TV movie. That was first coined in the U.S. in the 1960s. And it was started as an incentive for audiences to kind of stay home and watch what would be the equivalent of a first-run theatrical film, but don't go to the theater. Mm-hmm. Why waste your time going to the theater? Yeah, you have to drive all the way there. And you have to pay. You have to sit with other people. You can stay at home now and get the same experience. Um, so one of the first headliners on this was in 1961. NBC had the Saturday Night at the Movies. It was a primetime network showing of a television premiere of a major theatrical film. And then other networks soon copied this format, and each had their own. And often it would be like Friday yes, Fridays at the movies, you know, Thursday night at the movies, all that kind of like motif and style. Sure. Even when I was a kid, some stations still had that going on. Oh right? yeah, oh yeah, movie that. of the week, kind of movie of, fun, of the yeah. week. Yep. I always got sucked into that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the first of these um, is generally acknowledged to be "See how they run." Which debuted on NBC October seventh, nineteen sixty-four. What's that about, do you know? I do not know. I've never seen it. Let's see how they run. Okay. I probably should look that up, but oh we're past it now. It's too no, late. Too late. <laughs> no one cares. No one cares. We're going to break next speed. <laughs> um there was a film just before this called The Killers with Lee Marvin and Ronald Reagan. Wow. And it was filmed as a TV movie, but then NBC decided it was too violent to show Ronald Reagan? The actor? Yes, the actor. <laughs> Um, we all know where that went. <laughs> and so instead, they pulled it from showing it on TV and made it a theatrical release instead. Uh, officially, a lot of people consider the second television movie to be Don Siegel's The Hanged Man, which was broadcast on NBC November 18th, 1964. So, when you're making these films for television, like, directed toward them and not for a theatrical setting, they had a lot of like little, like, particulars that kind of went along with this, so... Originally, they were meant to fill a 90-minute programming time slot, and that included commercials. After it was successful and this, like, gained a lot of steam, it was expanded to two hours. And they gave them more time to work with, and also that's more commercials you can slot in there. Um, And it was often, you know, worked in as part of a weekly anthology thing. That's our movie of the week and stuff like that. Um, A lot of the early ones usually kind of pulled on major stars of the time and tended to have a higher budget than other, like, television shows made at that time. Mm-hmm. So you're punching higher than, like, a TV show, but you've still got... Like, you're nowhere near talking Hollywood status. Right, right. Um, and so this took off, and it became this huge, explosive thing. Um, so some stats I have. In 96, there were 264 made-for-TV movies done by five of the six largest American television networks. That's CBS, NBC, Fox, ABC, and UPN. And among them, if you, like, average their ratings, mm-hmm. it would total out to 7.5. Jump ahead a bit, by 2000, there were only 146 TV movies made by those same networks, averaging a rating of 5.4.
2: Mm, I see a trend forming.
0: Um So this number kind of, like, continued to increase as they went, but quality seemed to mm-hmm. tend to go down, too. Um, in this respect, if we get to, like, more recent times, like the 90s and the 2000s, Often made-for-TV films kind of get this, uh, I guess you would say, a quality about them that a lot of people relate them to, like, B-movies, low-budget films that were issued to be the second screen uh, in the theater, usually genre fair, lower budget, uh, just there to get some money and play against whatever is, like, the important release they're trying to push. Mm -hmm. Um, Like B-movies, for a lot of people, made-for-TV movies were intended to be a disposable product, have low production costs, and often use like second tier actors where possible, anything to kind of cut the corners and save the cost. Right. So that's a whole lot I've just dumped on you guys. Do you have anything you want to add to that? Um, that you think is important we should note?
2: Not particularly. Other, I mean, I was I was still watching. Like now, it's kind of a thing of the past. There's not. Right. I mean, there are still movies made for TV, but typically it's like you know the cable channels or like it's, Hallmark. It's, yeah, yeah marks a big one. Right. It's not really like it used to be. Like the networks don't really do that anymore. But it's, it's an interesting
1: it's an interesting study though of the fact that we're in the streaming age. Right. And this is essentially what it's designed for now. Like we still have blockbuster films that are trying to draw you into the theater. Mm-hmm. Sure. But we also have things that are like Netflix exclusives, Netflix right. films that are it's really taking off or you're seeing a lot of Essentially, you could call them the studios now. Right. You know, like, I'm not sure that NBC, CBS, Fox, and all those are as relevant anymore as they used to be. They're not. In that realm at all. (laughs) I mean, like, yeah, they still have their TV shows that people follow because it's there. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe people like them. I don't know.
2: Yeah, but they don't have the clout they used to at all. No. By any means. But, yeah, like, Apple, Netflix, Amazon, those are pretty much the new...
1: Like, the made for, that's for the, the Oscars this year, like, two of the films that were up for Best Picture, one was a Netflix film, and the other one was an Apple film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Apple Film won. Yep.
0: And so, then, of course, we know in the fan polls, Zack Snyder cleaned shop. Oh God. <laughs> also <laughs> was made for streaming releases. Mm-hmm. So, it is
1: an interesting time for us to do this, because...
2: Yeah, I grew up in the time when it was still a thing.
0: We're in a different oh, yeah.
1: phase of it now. Like, it's still there. We're just in a very different phase, and it's wearing a different mask now.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: But I think, too, with streaming, you kind of do something. Not not as a knock against it, but just in general, because it's like... When it was scheduled, it was like you had the Friday night movie. You right. had to be
1: there. No, I'm with you. The yeah.
0: Friday Friday the Friday night movie is like X. This is the movie. We're telling you what it is, and then you would like know and anticipate it, mm-hmm. and then it comes. And
1: it's like a water cooler event too. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's
0: there, and you I guess experience you experience it at the same time as everyone else. I guess you kind of get that with streaming if you keep up with everything and watch stuff like you binge it. right It's when still it drops. not the same but, because
2: you, I mean, like for a TV movie, I mean, you had to be there at that time, you know. And if mm-hmm. you missed it, you missed it.
0: Yeah. Because yep. a lot of people
2: still didn't have VCRs. You couldn't record it. You know, <laughs>
0: you were screwed if you missed it. So what are some big name examples of made-for-TV movies? I have a bunch of notes here to toss out. Um, So one of the most watched television movies of all time, based on like ratings and viewership stuff they did, mm-hmm. Uh, was ABC's The Day After from 1983. I was
2: about to mention that. Oh my God, you know this that's one, Jason? a traumatic film.
0: Um, yes. it's about. Uh, it was like a depiction of nuclear war with the Soviet Union, and it was huh. very controversial for its graphic uh, subject matter. <laughs> it's estimated, not confirmed, but they're pretty confident it had an audience of 100, and 100 million people. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's huge. Crazy. That is huge. Um, And similarly to this, a year later in '84, the BBC had threads. Which is also sort of about an aftermath of nuclear war thing. I actually bought that on Blu-ray, I think. I want to say Severin remastered it. I think so. I know it's streaming on Arrow right now. God, it is harrowing. It's like so hard to watch. Yeah. It was like really, 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 really rough. Um, Duel, the movie we're talking about today, was a big deal. Oh, yeah. I'll reserve any words about that for when we talk about the film. Sure. There was Kolchak, the Night Stalker. Mm-hmm. Which that was is... a big one. And that spawned a TV show.
1: I'm not sure if either of you have planned for Kolchak, but... I love that film.
0: I don't know if I would bring it up. but Me either. No. But
1: that saying, I'm glad. I just wanted to say it so it lands in our show notes so that if anyone does go watch these <laughs> yes. things, like
0: uh, you should watch Kolchak. And mm-hmm. that's the thing I should say. One thing that happened during this time is if a network ordered a pilot for a TV show, it would often be a two-hour thing. And if it was successful and it was going to take off or they maybe wanted to gauge interest, they would run that pilot as a TV movie and then they've like made back some of the cost they've done, whether they run the show or not. Mm-hmm. Which Kolchak, they had a TV show, and it kind of spawned out of those films. Right.
2: Yep. Um, Brian's Song was a really big one. Did yes. you guys
0: have to watch that in school?
2: Uh, not that I recall, no. I, I, had think, a, I think I did. I had yeah. a,
1: a health class that was taught by the basketball coach who did not <laughs> want to be there. <laughs> so <laughs> they we're to Brian's Song. And so
2: he's like, all right, class, today so we're going to watch movie, Brian's Song. James Con and uh, Billy Dee Williams. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know.
0: Um, in the '70s, there were a lot of controversial ones like Linda Blair's *Born Innocent* from '74. Uh, you had other ones like *Portrait of a Teenage Alcoholic*, *Portrait of a Teenage Runaway*. A lot of ones that got into like the, you know, shadier side of teen life and sure. the struggles people were having, mm-hmm. which is good to have. But then, of course, you're broadcasting it on TV, and that's a whole other kind of worms. Mm-hmm. It was also
2: a great spot for, I mean, some of the best. Great horror films were made for TV. Oh, yes. Like uh, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Yeah. Uh, Crowhaven Farm. Uh, Trilogy of Terror. I yeah. love Trilogy of Terror. Which was we'll... by Richard Matheson, who, yeah, wrote... who wrote Duel. Duel.
1: Mm-hmm. And, um, like, I. So I kind of feel like I'm, I'm hesitant to go down this road because. We'll eventually get to where HBO happens.
0: Right. That was actually the next point I wanted to bring up. Then I'm not
1: hesitant to go down this road. Let's go right down it. I'll set it up for you. Let's walk down it.
0: um, Sorry. (laughs) At the start, television movies were often broadcast by the major networks. And really, the big push on this was when it was sweep season. They needed those numbers up. Mm -hmm. That's where they would bring out the big guns to really get the ratings. In time now, that's become more and more rare. Because as it went broadcast networks became less and less invested or interested in doing these made for TV movies because the shows have progressively gotten, you know, better. They've been able to have better budgets, bigger returns on them. And that's why do you need the movies then at that mm-hmm. point? Mm-hmm. The slack of that got taken up by cable networks. And this is where we get into Hallmark, Sci-Fi, Lifetime, and then sort of the like premium cable networks like HBO, Showtime, and Cinemax. So yes, Michael. So here we of go. the
1: ones that I remember, like of the fanfare surrounding them, was like I remember when HBO put out. I think it's this uh, the If These Walls Could Talk. Yes, was one yep. of them, and that one was like everybody was talking about it. Well, at least I was more of a kid that didn't give a shit about that kind of right. show at the time. But I remember my mom and like all of her friends. That was it. Became that was the water cooler talk. Like, have you seen this? And then. Like HBO continued to do that. Mm -hmm. Like they continued to drop these films that were really punching high. Like, oh, yeah. You could tell they were swinging for Oscar contention. Whereas I don't feel like the network films had that. That wasn't in their cards. They weren't. They weren't even thinking about that. Yeah, it HBO was had a bigger
2: budget and stuff like that. But and that was they also draw the, marquee names. Yeah, that was
0: the draw because you had to actually like pay extra for mm-hmm, them. So right. That's like trying to pull that value. Plus,
2: they could also actually have nudity and swearing, mm-hmm. and violence, and stuff like that.
0: And then, of course, if we're talking about HBO, I got to bring up the erotic thrillers because <laughs> to to pad <laughs> out that like late night time slot, they actually commissioned a lot of these to just like fill the time and have stuff on there.
2: I'm sure I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> Everybody knows. You, just, you snuck and watched them late at night. It's cool. It's cool. I'll own up to it. Um, the, the other one I really, I really wanted to dig in on was sci-fi and the sci-fi picture original. Yes, there's like tons of them. Most of them are shitty. It was still a thing. I remember like, I think I've brought it up before. I grew up in a tiny town. We didn't have the sci-fi channel at first. I remember when we first got it. And I was like, "Whoa!" They just make their own like sci-fi and horror films, <laughs> and yeah, they were usually shitty, but you know it was still fun. Yeah, right. Yeah,
1: sure. It was something to watch that was new and different that you didn't have to go to the video store to get. Right. It was
0: there, and now and again, I remember they would really like punch out for something crazy. Like I, I remember when they landed up with uh, Return of the Living Dead, and they did like parts four and five. Oh God. <laughs> which were a mess.
2: I never even watched them.
0: Uh, the fifth one is, like, hilariously fun. I think it's called Rave to the Grave. Mm-hmm. And it's literally just about, like, teens throw a rave, and then, like, the, the Tar Man shows up, and people become zombies. The and actual Tar
2: Man? Yeah.
0: He's back. Yeah. Okay. They loosely try to connect it in, but I don't think the continuity meshes right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He got his head knocked off. Yeah, it, he's a tar man. He's made of tar.
0: He's like that oil slick monster movie you The Oily Maniac. Yeah. And no. I didn't know where to place it, but another thing to talk about. So, of course, uh, there's after school specials. I don't really want to dwell on that much because that's very, very cheesy.
2: Well, some of those could be traumatizing,
0: too. I remember seeing some of those after school. Um, but there's also this, is it a movie, is it not? I consider it a movie, we'll see. But they would do these like, mini-series, where it would actually be like a multi-part, multi-night thing.
2: Yeah, long movie, sure.
0: And the big one I wanted to get into with this was Stephen King, because many of his stories got adapted into this format. You've got Salem's Lot, It, mm-hmm. The Stand, uh, Sci-Fi did Rose Red. Let's not forget Garris's take on the shining
2: can we please forget it
0: (laughs) please um that is one thank you michael for that contribution you're welcome i
2: actively hate
0: that
2: oh god uh i also want to i would like as far as miniseries go uh shogun was one of my favorites oh yeah uh roots was one as well right Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah awkward pause after roots but okay I, it
1: also brings to mind too the ones that I always got excited about were around Halloween time. Oh yes, um, every
0: station would have their own and uh, like but, themed thing, and there would
1: be a lot of the, um, I guess we call them young adult now, mm-hmm. of like the teen uh, Halloween films yeah. that would pop up on like ABC or whatever. Because I was at that age mm-hmm. at the time of these like nineties, mm-hmm. and so I would always get super excited for those. Yeah, because they would be just silly. You know, like, or like
2: Disney did uh, a Mr. Boogity.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that was, I, well, I, didn't,
2: that. I didn't have Disney. Like, we didn't get cable. No, that until was on I was, like ABC. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah, it was a Disney movie. movie of the week or whatever it was called. Yeah.
1: So uh, there's a, I mean, there's a pretty rich history of made for TV movies that don't get, I don't think they get talked about or some of them purposefully don't get the fanfare. Mm-hmm. But then there are others like Duel that, totally deserve it mm-hmm. you know duel Kolchak, um salem's lot those are ones that you could for easily forget that they're made for tv movies because right. they're just so good yeah
2: they transcend any format that they would have been played on
1: so i guess does this lead us into duel now
0: um and you got more anything else you got you got more i believe we've hit everything that i had yeah so pretty good nice so so of course why, i should say this other countries, we focused a lot on the US here because we're based in the US, so that's the easiest. We have all the memories of that. Um, like I said, like with Threads, and the BBC had tons of made for TV movies as well. Sure. Uh, I've seen a few from Japan that are great too. Mm-hmm. Maybe one we'll check out on the show. I don't know. I'm still deciding. Uh oh. Uh oh. Well,
2: Uh-oh. well Uh-oh. we might also be doing one from another country of my pick. Uh-oh. So we'll
0: see. Uh-huh. Um, so, yes, yeah, this was the I was need a... to
2: decide by the time we're done recording this. Uh,
0: it was a universal phenomenon, like all around the world, so. Yeah. Well, this leads us oh, into... Yeah. I, I, I forgot one I need to <laughs> We're mention. never going to let you start, Michael. I <laughs> forgot one. I, I, I need
2: to mention this as far as like TV movies, miniseries and stuff. Mm-hmm. V. Motherfucking oh, yeah. V. Oh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. That was massive. That was huge. I loved that so much.
0: And two, was, wasn't like Battlestar Galactica at first? It was a film, kind of like miniseries thing. The right? remake was a miniseries. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking of, yeah. And Which, that's that same thing of like yeah. you have like... the it was first, a backdoor pilot. Yeah. yeah, the pilot and then that spawns the show.
1: Yeah, I was trying to think, because I remember when I watched that, I got the discs in from Netflix, like, when you still had to set yeah. the discs in, and I didn't realize that I had to get the miniseries first, so I got 33, oh, which was that lost. first episode <laughs> that's, like, so intense, on? and I'm like, I don't know what's happening, yeah.
0: <laughs> but I was hooked, because that episode was so good, I was like, I need to know
1: everything now.
0: Um, all right so i think we're oriented on made for tv movies So,
1: jason if you would like to politely shut the fuck up i'm gonna go into duel <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. all right sure but jason do you remember my... <laughs> yeah, yeah. god damn it please uh, continue michael
1: 1971 uh 19 i'm sorry
2: um i wasn't uh, even born yet <laughs> <laughs> why would i want to watch a movie that was made before i was oh, born Shut the
1: fuck up jason um, 1971, in the height of these made-for-TV films, mm-hmm. um, Richard Matheson, the great Richard Matheson, amazing horror writer. One of my favorites. Um, you, you, It's impossible to have dipped your toe in horror at all and not come across a Richard Matheson right. story.
0: You just might not realize it.
1: Um, Matheson already had so much clout, though, from... Like, just being, one, a great-selling writer, but also his work on The Twilight Zone. You know, yeah, he wrote, That's
0: the first thing I think of when you, like, branch him into films and TV.
1: Right. He wrote a lot of stuff for Twilight Zone. So, he's solid dude. Solid writer for networks to choose. Matheson wrote this film basically about just a guy who gets terrorized by a road rage incident. This trucker terrorizes this uh, commuter... He's like a business commuter, I think is what the... I'll give you the IMDB thing. A business commuter is pursued and terrorized by the malevolent driver of a massive tractor trailer. Uh, This doesn't really star anybody that you would maybe be super familiar with. I mean, Dennis Weaver is the main lead. Yeah, he does some genre work.
0: Yeah. Um, So you may have come across him. Um, Oh, and one little asterisk to what you said there about Matheson. Uh, this was a short story that he wrote and then he turned it into the screenplay for this production. Mm -hmm. There was,
1: and it basically, this was a true story for him in Mm -hmm. a sense that he was just inspired because he was on a drive back roads and some dude tailgated in the whole way and Matheson just
0: wrote this amazing piece of suspense and mm-hmm. fun quirk about that the the day he experienced this was the same day as the kennedy assassination oh yeah i read that so that's just like a weird yeah that's crazy weird coincidence yeah so
1: this film there are two versions of this film out right. there uh there's a television cut and a theatrical cut right um the theatrical cut is long enough to be shown in theaters as a film mm mm-hmm. Uh, But the television cut only came in at 72 minutes. Right, they had the the blocks for commercials to slot in. So there's a few scenes within the film that were added later. You can kind of tell which ones they
2: are. Upon rewatch, I couldn't.
1: Um, when I read what they were, yeah, I could see where some of them were fillers, but... Uh... Interesting. As we go, bring that up. Yeah, we should, okay. we'll,
2: we'll bring those up
1: as we go I didn't know that. Well, so basically the intro of the film is one of the new ones that was added. And it's a cool
2: intro. It's an amazing intro. It's
1: great. It's awesome like camera mount on a
2: car just drive through the city it's the pov of the car it pulls away from the house but i love it in my nice suburb
0: not even that like it starts in blackness and you just hear the car starting yeah. and you hear the garage door open and then right. you're like boom you are the pov of the car like pulling out yeah you're in just like little suburban america
2: uh-huh and for like probably a good five minutes it's the mm-hmm. credit sequence did you see it driving from like you know the suburban area uh, to the city, and then things get more and more sparse. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the credits, you're like in the desert.
0: And yeah, immediately I was like, for a TV movie, this is like fucking brilliant. It's like, okay, I know we know it's Steven Silver at the wheel, but no one knew who he was right. yet. You yeah.
2: know. so
1: so he was. Um, this is one of those scenes that was added. Yeah, to help kind of pad, which works though. It really does work because yeah. I I think it gives you this great
0: lulling sense of just like this commuter it's like yep. this is what everybody sees You've sure. got the radio yeah. on you've got some like banter going about there's some good shots when he's in the city where like he has to stop because people are crossing the street mm. and it's this weird almost like the one time it's like women and they're in skirts and it almost feels like voyeuristic in a way the way yeah. the camera's like low to the ground yeah i don't even know if that's intentional or if i'm just reading into that but huh. well like, oh, that's an interesting vibe maybe there's some the things he's listening to on the radio these talk
1: show radio things some of them are pretty they're pretty stupid and funny you
0: know like and but also maybe significant to the plot
1: yeah exactly um but it's just a normal you get the sense, like we figure out from this dude that um he is trying to go
2: meet up with
0: i guess it's his boss it's a client a client he does that, some kind of work where yeah, they have clients yeah, we, they, le- we learn
2: this later we don't know what he's doing at first mm. but he's driving just normal back roads california
0: and he heads out into the Mojave Desert.
1: And he comes across this large tanker truck. He gets, he's behind it, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And the tanker truck, is it looks like something straight out of, um, oh,
0: shit, Sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Like, it could have been Roy Schneider behind <laughs> the wheel yeah. of that truck. Yeah, for it, real. And you know, I hate to pump the brakes real quick, but what genre is this film? Let's establish that real quick before we go forward. <clears throat> I,
1: would I would put it in suspense. <sighs>
0: Thriller. Suspense is
2: pretty good. It's a suspense thriller.
0: Thriller was what I guessed. Online, it's usually tagged as action thriller. I wouldn't say action,
2: but I mean, I don't know. Well, maybe. I mean, because the car chase stuff is pretty thrilling. It's Pretty intense. Pretty actiony. Yeah. yeah. Action suspense thriller. What I think is cool. Is I've seen.
0: I've seen some people call it horror, but I think there's a fun way to like kind of gauge this. Um, there's another film. I, I want to bring it up. I was going to bring it up no matter what happened. Uh, joyride
2: yeah i was gonna bring that up too yeah
0: and i think that film was so much inspired by this one but that one truly is a horror film and if you compare the two you can see like where in joyride they've kind of like tweaked and changed things to like jump that fence and go over straight into the horror category i think
2: joyride Mm -hmm. changed the perspective right and dumbed it down incredibly no,
0: Cade Cade. <laughs> oh, dude, I love that
2: movie uh, so much. Why am I not shocked? But no, you're. <laughs> but you're exactly right.
1: Joyride changed the perspective. This mm-hmm. film is all told through the perspective of main character, right? Of because that's really the only one we get. Yeah, um, uh, David Mann is his name. Yes, thank you, Dennis Weaver. Um, his picture on IMDb is great. Yes,
2: it is.
0: Um, that hat. Is it from yeah. A Touch of Evil? <laughs> I don't know. He's
1: wearing like a fur jacket and a big cowboy
0: hat. That's pretty badass. Uh, anyway. No, no, that is not touch of evil. So the other thing I wanted to set up, I'm sorry to keep just... No, you, you just back go back. ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just... Because so much of this is about the vehicles, we should talk about the cars that they have. Mm-hmm. So he is driving a 1970 Plymouth Valiant. Looks so cool. It really goes through hell across the film. It throat. does. It does. Good it's, thing he wasn't
2: driving a Pinto or he wouldn't have lasted very long. It's
1: not the typical muscle car, though, that mm-hmm. you would think of. Well, that's also the point.
2: Yeah. yeah. Which is... It's yeah. not one of those huge late sixties, early seventies gas guzzlers, you right? Know, it's, it's, this isn't like it's a sensible car, and
1: this isn't bullet, you know. Like right. we're not, we don't have a super cool
0: Mustang sports car that's doing this. This is an average commuter car, almost yeah. in a way. I think the vehicles kind of reflect their driver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So our uh, truck driver is in a Peterbilt two eighty one. It's a big tanker truck from the fifties, and this thing is just rusted to hell. But it's also huge, and it's a little detail, and maybe we'll get into it more later. But all along the front, he has like multiple license plates Mm -hmm. and it's like one for every state that he kind of drives between.
2: Now, apparently at the time that wasn't uncommon Mm -hmm. for them to have several different plates depending on where they were going.
1: Well, because we have that now as on the side of trucks, it'll say licensed in. Right. It's just printed on the side of the truck now.
2: But I think it's pretty obvious that they're like mementos, trophies from his his (laughs) kills. That
1: was the theory, I think, that Spielberg said about when he was kind of filming it um so yeah he's he's he runs up on this tanker truck and we get this really funny line too where he like the truck is billowing diesel smoke out and mm-hmm. he's got his window down. david mann has got his window down he's like talk about pollution <laughs> it's like and so he does what any of us would do like when you come across somebody who's driving slower than you want to and so he just looks for his turn to pass and he just passes the dude normally yep. no fanfare nothing about it like just passes the guy well then he notices He's kind of driving along while all of a sudden dude comes flying up behind him and passes him again Mm -hmm. and gets right in front of him and goes back to his normal speed. Yep. And this is, like, typical road rage bullshit. <laughs> like, have you guys ever had this happen to you? Like, just, oh, of course. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Of course. You just pass somebody because you're just... And it usually
2: involves people driving trucks. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say? Nothing. <laughs>
1: but, like, I don't really... I don't think that I drive fast, or mm-hmm. I don't think that I drive erratically. It's just like, okay, well, you're going slower than I would like to be going right now, so I'm just going to put my signal on and go around you. No
2: big deal. Mm-hmm. Mm. Or as then, soon as you try to pass them, they speed up. Yeah, and you're like... you're impugning their manhood if you pass I, like, them Like, I don't get
1: that. I've never understood, like, why would you... What do? You, what does it matter to you? Right. <laughs> like, why do you care that I want to go past you?
2: And this could be an example. I think it's... I don't think it's quite road rage, because I think this guy is like... He has an he, intent. He just picks yeah. someone out to yeah. fuck with, you know? But it, it could be construed as, like, an early example of road rage. Because I don't know when that the term was coined. I'm 90s not 90s, sure. maybe? Um... It becomes, well, at first it seems like a road rage incident
1: because if we're looking at it through today's lenses, it looks like it would be a road rage incident. But as we see more of what unfolds, we realize, oh, okay, this isn't so much road rage so much as
0: it is. This guy's crazy. Yeah. Um, so
1: it continues
0: on. I do want to say there's an interesting radio part that we listen to that I think is good to talk about real quick just for the narrative of this story. It's a guy, it's it's a comedy skit obviously, but it's a guy calling in and it's about filling out his... Uh, census forms. Census forms. Mm-hmm. And he says he has trouble and he wants to talk to someone and get some help. And it's this whole spiegel about how, like... Uh, it's asking who's the head of the household is. And he's like, well, I'm the man... But uh, I, hate, I hate to work, so my wife works, and I just stay home with the kids. And I was like, is this Michael right now on this radio program?
2: That doesn't sound like Michael. I know
1: exactly
0: what
2: my role is. Thank <laughs> you very much. Yeah, and he's worried about who to put as head of household. Does he put his wife? Right?
0: And it's this whole thing about, like, well, I don't want my neighbors to know that I put her down. Yeah. I like, know exactly who the head of my household
1: is. It's my wife, and I don't question it. Like. Of course, she is the head of my
0: goddamn household, sure. But I mean, this
2: is also saying something about the time, too. That's you know, true, early yeah.
0: 70s and everything. It's like, but I know. think it's notable, too, that he's listening to this. Mm-hmm. I think just file that in your mind for now, yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, so it kind of plays back and forth between the two of them, like trying, he's trying to pass the truck again, and I think it's in this scene right here where he decides. Where he sees a little opening.
0: Yeah, it's got, it, it becomes like two lanes for a little bit.
1: Yeah, he sees a little opening, and he's like, oh, you want to play, do you? You know, <laughs> and he's still viewing
0: this as a game between the two of them. Yeah, it's just a little, like, bickering on the the old estate. Yeah,
1: just measuring, you know, a little dick measuring between mm-hmm. the two of them. And, uh, yeah, so he floors it, yeah. gets around the truck, heads mm-hmm. on, leaves him in the dust. And the truck
2: blasts its horn at him, too, when he yeah. does
1: this. Mm-hmm. So he leaves him behind. He thinks... You know, he watches it. We get a shot of the rearview mirror of the truck disappearing in the rearview. Continues on. He goes to gas station. Mm-hmm. Stops at a gas station with a joke that I really liked <laughs> a lot. Oh, about it? The gas station attendant, he comes out, and uh, he says... David uh, says, put some
2: ethyl in it. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, fill her up with ethyl, and... Uh, the gas station attendant's like, if
2: Ethel don't mind. <laughs> and this is also a good point, to, a good time to point out the fact that they still had lead in gasoline. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And you know, the other thing I thought about is just how different gas stations are now compared to then. You actually had like an attendant. Yeah, that, like did all this. You hardly see those yeah. anymore.
2: I'm not even sure if they're anymore. Anyway. When I was
0: really little, there was one in my hometown that still, yeah, still did that. I don't remember the last time I saw one. Yeah. And we still have this.
1: Uh, there's even a moment here where he's trying to assert his manly dominance in this scene because he's kind of dismissive of the gas station attendant mm. um, and it says you want me to check under the hood make sure everything looks okay which I think is funny is like I don't know nothing about cars, so if I were to open the could be like, There's an engine in it. Yeah. Yep. There is an engine in fact in your car. And he tells him, he's like, Looks like you need a new radiator hose. And that's when our dude says, Yeah, like I haven't heard that before. Yeah. Like he immediately thinks, like, No, no no, I'm mainly trying to rip to, me off. I'm not savvy yeah, for this. I know my car, you know? He really um, should have gotten that radiator hose. Yes. He should've
0: <laughs> the next thing I was gonna say is also file that away yeah. in your head for a minute. Um well, now what we notice
1: is the truck mm-hmm. pulls up uh, in the same gas station.
0: And so we see David start to kind of get very antsy, like, the fuck? And I love the way they shoot it, too, where it's kind of from his POV. But it's like all he sees is like the driver's arm yeah. on the, the window. He he gets out to like check the truck, and he sees like just his feet under the other side. Wearing of the cowboy ground. boots. Yeah cowboy boots and some jeans we never get like a clear picture of the driver Mm -hmm.
1: well and that's important i think and it was supposedly important as well in the source material to make sure that that this was a an ominous figure that you couldn't put a face to Mm -hmm. the
2: figure the thing that is, is attacking you is the truck yeah the character is the truck not the driver right and uh and this thing does look... It's all rusted out and just dirty and grimy. You, you can smell this fucking thing. It does yeah. have a totally
1: yeah. badass thing that you notice a lot. Did you notice what his front bumper was? I don't recall. It's a fucking railroad track. Mm. Oh. The front bumper is a, a railroad track, which is hardened steel that will probably rip through anything that runs <laughs> into. No, I did not notice that. Which, yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of an interesting little... just a little thing that they did for that truck. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Thing probably That's weighed cool. like 600 pounds or whatever to weld it on there, but you can't break that. Mm-hmm. Like, a, it would just tear through a car. <laughs>
0: what did Doc Brown say? Like,
1: he's in a 1950s Ford. We're in a Delorean. Thing would tear through us like a tin can.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so some cool things happen here. The truck driver gets really annoyed because he wants service, and the attendant's like busy mm-hmm. with uh David's car. But also, David goes inside to use the payphone. Yes. Calls home, talks to his wife.
1: Uh, uh, played
0: by Jacqueline Scott.
1: And this is where we get kind of the replay back of the things he's been listening to. Mm-hmm. So, and, it's, and
2: this is one of the scenes shot for the movie version. Uh,
0: oh, yeah. Yeah, really? I think it was. Oh, yeah, Wow. I would say this is like a sensual. I know. Yeah. That's what
2: I thought. I thought. I was kind of shocked to see that. Hmm.
0: But you could
1: easily see this being cut and the film still working for TV. It adds a lot to, it does this, add a to lot. his
2: character because his wife is... It's obviously they've had an argument recently, mm-hmm. and they're trying not to get in a fight about it. And basically, apparently, one of their fr- they were at a party the night before. One of their friends was getting handsy. Yeah, uh, like very aggressively. Apparently,
0: and he's very dismissive, and he's like, "Oh, he's always like that." Yeah, and he's
2: like, "What was I supposed to do? Challenge him to a uh, you know, a knife fight or a gunfight or something like yeah. that?" I can't remember. Exactly
1: Interesting time that we're talking about this too, with all the whole Oscar
2: bullshit. Yeah, well, <laughs> so- right, 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 right. Uh, So it's obvious that David Mann wasn't man enough to go up there. Right, he wasn't a manly man. He wasn't a manly man.
1: (laughs) But they still continue this argument, and he says, you know, I have to get to this guy, or I'm going to lose this account. Yeah, he says he's going on vacation. If he doesn't get there in time today, there's not going to be a chance. Yeah, he's going to lose the account. And she reminds him, well, you need to be home tonight. You said you'd be home tonight. Mm -hmm. And he just keeps, I love that, I mean, it's kind of like an argument that we've, probably all had i'm sure yeah we have. um and that his he's like i said it probably wouldn't be a problem <laughs> and she's like well good don't let it be i said it probably wouldn't be
0: <laughs> and again if we're, we're talking like cinematography the way this shot is framed is super cool because a lady comes in to use like a coin-operated laundry machine uh-huh. and it's from like pulled back at the dryer across at the other end of the room where he is on the payphone mm-hmm.
1: everything is i i love that everything about him is shot mundane mm-hmm. like these are all just very he's an ordinary dude mm-hmm. and he's kind of a schlock you know that's not really a word is it schlub maybe? schlub schlock schlubby
2: he's schlock. your typical pencil pusher looking yeah. guy you know he's got it, the glasses he's got the thin little mustache it's just there's nothing getting, <laughs> you know
1: there's nothing about him that says action hero no. which i love right Um, and i do love the the line that she says before she hangs up she's like well you know it's your mother and she's certainly not here to see me yeah (laughs) Uh, i was like "Oof, i feel that uh so he he heads back out Mm -hmm. and i believe the truck is still here at this point
0: yeah but can't get service is waiting for him
1: and uh so david decides he's just gonna peel out Mm -hmm. you know he just takes off goes on and it continues on like he thinks, you know, nothing else is going to come of it. Well, yeah, that's that. All of a sudden, truck
2: shows up. Yep, you see it getting ever closer behind him.
0: And this is where we get the first of mini shots where he like looks over his shoulder. Yeah. And it's such an iconic visual. Just the way it looks. He's got those huge glasses on. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's great. It. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, and then that's that's when things really do get serious because uh the truck passes David again
0: mm-hmm.
2: and he antagonizes him for, for a bit. And then they're getting kind of on a straight stretch. And then he sees the trucker wave. Oh, I fucking love this. Wave thing. him yeah.
0: past. And he's like, oh, finally. And he assumes kind of just what anyone would assume that it's like, okay, he's had his fun. Yeah, he's, he's like, he's me put go. me in my place. Now he's just going to let me go. Yeah.
1: But as soon as he goes to pass him, there's a car coming around that curve. Yeah. Yep. And it's and- obvious
2: that now this trucker has just tried to fucking kill him. Yeah. <laughs> I love that scene. Yeah, and that's you can see it on Dennis Weaver's face. It's like a yeah, you know. <laughs> so he falls back
1: after almost wrecking and mm-hmm. everything. He falls back and he then tries to pass him again. You know, and the truck keeps doing that bullshit thing that people will do and like slightly move over the line so that you can't pass them. Yeah. Yep. And it's just this back and forth until finally it gets to where David. he manages to
2: get he manages to get past it well, there's, like, like right. a, there's like a turnout right There's like a, a dirt road yeah. yeah like turnout and he goes around it but then the truck catches up and that's when he starts bumping him with that you know railroad tie i guess it is that he was using
1: right it's that's just such an interesting little plot
2: yeah, i never i never fun
1: little plot I never well, noticed that because i'm not reason. sure the only reason i know it is
2: because you can use a uh
1: those as an anvil if you don't have an actual anvil for blacksmithing oh. you can use it because it's hardened
0: and I think that says something about his character. For, right, they don't tell us much, but in showing us that, it says something. But
1: like, there's no reason to use that as a bumper. Yeah, it probably weighs a ridiculous amount, and it's just pointless unless you wanted yeah. to
0: fuck up a bunch of cars <laughs> on your way. This, um, this dude's like a twisted metal character. Yeah, it's been like dumped into this movie, yeah.
1: and so it finally gets out of hand, and this is where. David ends up he spins out. spinning out, mm-hmm. slamming into a fence, mm-hmm. and then we get the coolest characters of the entire film. Those little dudes. Yes, <laughs> I love them so much. <laughs> so, like, there's a cafe, and he's seen the sign for the cafe coming up before, so he knows it's kind of like a place that he can stop.
2: Apparently, that was a real restaurant.
1: Yep, and it's still there today,
0: though it's something different. It's now. a French restaurant. Yep. <laughs> yep. Weird. Yeah. I wonder if it's a skeezy inside. A skeezy it's called uh, Le Chien, apparently. Since nineteen eighty. Ah. We should go there. But it's exactly there on the Sierra Highway, exact same spot. So he
2: Doesn't Chin mean dog? It's not spelled like that. I I probably (laughs) pronounced it wrong,
0: which is bad of me since I took French in college.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So he spins out, racks into this fence, and this this old dude comes up and he's like, You okay, mister? And he's, like, reaching in and putting his hands all over it. Yeah,
2: he's like, my neck hurts. Oh, you got whiplash. You got, probably got whiplash. And he's, like, touching his shoulder. And it's like, dude, get off.
1: And so he's real. That's the attitude that he gives him, too. Like, yeah. will you please fucking stop? And I love this dude as he's walking away. There's another guy just standing there watching it all. He's like, oh, he's just got whiplash. Yeah, dude. It's like this dude just learned about whiplash, and he's going to say it 50 times in the day. <laughs> Um, but David ends up going into the into the diner, kind of to cool off.
2: Oh yeah, he's get freaking his, out at this point. Get which his head straight. He wouldn't be. Mm-hmm.
0: We should talk about this scene because this is like a signature Spielberg thing. Mm-hmm, the oneer. Yep. This is a long one single shot of him going through the restaurant and back into the bathroom and stuff. Uh, the shot takes two minutes and forty five seconds, and we should you know think about this fact. It's in the seventies, right? So this is before their steady cam. Yep. So to actually do this and have it look the way it does, that's like a huge achievement.
2: It probably took all day just to set up for that shot. Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm sure nobody else on the production is like, I don't understand why we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Can't we just take this shot, cut it, edit it, yeah. and this one? Like, no, we're doing it this way.
0: Um, but of course, we should say, too, that even though this is kind of a signature of his, he definitely borrowed it from Orson Welles and Alfred Hitchcock. They both also used the oh, sure. yeah, mm-hmm. same same deal in their, their films. Oh, this Jack-
2: also where we start to get internal um, monologue. from from david Mann. and it's
1: it's really cool the way this is done because you start to see the character break Mm -hmm. and i'm not sure that you would get this any other way he starts to like question himself like in his head he's like is he trying to kill me surely he's not trying to kill me you know like it's back and forth and he ends up going out um such a weird scene with the waitress, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he ends up going out, getting some water and everything, and the waitress comes back. She's like, were well, you ready to order, hon? And he's like, still clearly doesn't want to eat anything, but he's kind of panicking, like just drinking water, going through his stuff. Well, the big thing to... is that when he comes back
0: out, the truck is pulled up. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah,
2: he's all like, it's over now. It's all over now. Right. We're going to get back on the road. Yeah, and he comes out, and he sees the truck through the window.
0: And so he sees all these
1: guys at the bar, and they're all similar archetypes. Mm-hmm. They're all kind of like a big burly
0: dude. Looks like they'd be truckers. It's in Texas, I think. So yeah. You no, know. they're in California. They're in California. Oh, yeah, that's right. They're in California. My but bad. it's great because he looks at like their arms, and their arms are all kind of like the arm you saw yeah. earlier. And then he looks at their feet, and they've all got the same kind of cowboy boots on. It's typical 1970s yeah. like standard wear. Um, So he's trying to pick out, like, who is it? Who is it? And then they're all kind of looking over their shoulder at him because they're like, what the hell's wrong with that guy? He doesn't
1: fit. Yeah. Also, like, he is the outcast here. Mm -hmm. Like, he's a city guy, and now he's out in the desert with
0: all these truckers. They're looking (laughs) at him. And so it's just, like, escalating his paranoia.
2: And I love the, the scene where he's imagining what it's like in his head to go talk to the guy who yeah. he thinks is the trucker and how it goes in his head and right. he's like no no that's, that's not and good. he's like hey pal
0: right. let me just buy you a drink I'm sorry yeah <laughs> and he's like no 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 no."
1: he's trying to ra- it's an interesting thing though he's trying to rationalize like how can I get out of this yeah. mm-hmm.
0: in the safest way possible Right, and
1: also the least confrontational way possible
0: and Which, then I, just, like, the little things that pile on, too, because he orders some food just to pass time. He
1: orders um, a cheese sandwich, yeah, uh, Swiss cheese, on rye, R-Y-E. R-Y-E. <laughs> but, but
0: then when he gets away, he wants ketchup, and she just kind of walks off before he can say yeah, anything. Yeah, and he's like, ketchup?
2: Uh. <laughs> he, he's Yeah, he's too much of a wuss to even ask for ketchup. Mm.
1: Which it makes me wonder, like, what is... There's, like, a lot of really interesting themes here of masculinity. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of weaving its way through. Yeah, I actually
2: kind of identify with this guy too much. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: but what's wrong with that? You know right. like,
2: exactly. What's wrong with not being super aggro and everything I like think, that? So I,
0: this is what I wanted to get into, because there's definitely a lot of people have talked about this, the idea of, like, gender performativity with David and what he's going through and what's going on. And I think it's from his perspective, he has this idea that, like, he has to be a man. Mm-hmm. And he has to show that he is a man. And that almost is, like, his downfall... <laughs> in this diner scene and later right isn't it isn't that the
1: case though with Mm. most things like when you talk about if you ask somebody like what does it mean to be a man like Mm. one of the first things you'll hear is strong yep and that's not necessarily the case Mm. like like sometimes what you need to hear somebody say is like what does it mean to be a man you'll just hear like just something like loyalty or just Mm you know compassion like that's also what it means to be a man but in his view i think he has such a skewed view that's our society of yeah Yeah.
0: and i feel like that's why he talks himself out of just like saying hey who is the driver of the truck i'm sorry let me buy you a drink right yeah because that seems like the weak
2: because he could have just stood up and say whose truck is this you know
1: no granted i probably would have approached it the exact same way he did like look man i don't know what happened I don't know what I did. Let me fix this. Mm-hmm. And then nobody gets hurt. Like mm-hmm. literally that, what it's interesting. The thing he talked himself out that's,
2: of, that's the mature, responsible thing to do.
1: Right. And what he talked himself out of was the most manly thing he could have done.
0: What does he do instead?
2: Uh, <laughs> goes up, goes up, picks one of them kind of at random it's this dude sitting by himself eating
0: a sandwich. I just love how it starts where he just walks up and he's like, standing there all yeah, awkward, yeah.
2: like looking at the wall. <laughs>
0: Why don't you just cut it out? And the guy's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> this poor dude eating his and he's sandwich. he's like, you
2: know.
1: Yeah, this you know guy isn't about. even, like, with the other dudes, like, mm. at the bar. Yeah. He's just off in a booth Which on his own. Which is probably why David
2: picked him. Thought yeah. he was the one, you know?
1: And, uh... So when the dude starts to be like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Like, I don't know. David slaps his sandwich out of his hand, and that's when this dude goes ape shit. Yeah. Like, you do not slap a man's sandwich out of his hand. I it's don't gone care. too far. You don't mow another man's lawn, and you don't <laughs> slap a sandwich out of his hand. These are two key rules. So dude just whips the shit out of him. Yeah.
2: Like, I mean, David doesn't stand a chance against this guy. No. no he he destroys him. But the cook comes out and breaks it up.
0: I love that he's like, oh, he's like, he knocked my sandwich away. He's like, all right, I'll buy you another sandwich. <laughs>
2: I'm on beer. I'll get you a beer, too. <laughs> and,
0: like, and, and then this even, guy leaves. Yeah. And okay. then the the kind of the owner there, he says, like, that guy's already got enough trouble, seeming like they're all kind of weirded out by him. They know mm-hmm. something's up. Yeah.
1: And he so he tells David to leave,
2: too.
0: He's yeah. Like, he's like, why don't you get on out of here? You need to get yeah. out
1: of here.
2: Like, clearly. But the guy he picked the fight with goes out and he walks behind the truck and you're like oh that is him but then he pulls out in an entirely different truck that yeah. was behind the diesel
0: and then after he drives off the actual tanker truck leaves mm-hmm. so seemingly he was never inside to start with yeah which so, that's the great like sad irony of the whole scene mm-hmm. that he drove himself that crazy and, he and wasn't the, even the in dude there. wasn't even there yeah
1: and so now he thinks like okay
0: i can let this go Continues on, like he's got to get where he's going, because he takes time to like go across to get back in his car. He waits a minute, and he to him it's like, well, this guy's going to be long gone now, right?
1: And this leads us to a (laughs) scene that is actually one that shot for
0: yeah, shot for the movie, shot for the movie.
1: Um, he comes across again,
2: which is surprising. This is such a good scene. I love this scene.
1: Uh, This scene pissed me off. (laughs) Okay, god damn these fucking kids. That's the point. I know. know. Yeah. It's Um, just one more thing on that pressure cooker mm -hmm. he's in. So he continues on, and he comes across a school bus that's broken down. All these kids are out. The driver's
2: flagging them down in the middle of the road. And
1: my favorite thing about this scene is that the... The direction that was given to the kids is look bored, and they all chose to kick rocks. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Like
1: that's their version of boredom is to look down and kick rocks.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, there's no Game Boy,
0: no cell phones, no cell phones.
1: There's nothing. Well, yeah, they're all like looking down, like kicking
2: rocks and
0: everything. They seem much more uh, better composed than like uh, Five Thousand Fingers of Doctor T, though.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't see the kids crying. And the driver's like, you got to help me push push the bus to get it started. And, and David's like, well, I don't think that... I think my bumper will get stuck under there. Right. And the driver's like, no, it's okay. You go ahead. And he, he gets bullied into to helping, even mm. though he knows it's not going to go well. And the, the driver looked familiar. It's Lou Frizzell. I
1: had a um, note about him, and I don't know
2: where... He I had a familiar voice, too. I wonder if he's done, like, cartoon work or something.
1: He's done... Uh, oh, he was in Roots. Um <laughs> He's done a ton a ton a ton of TV stuff. So I think I've probably seen him from there. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean just like you name it. He if there was a TV show like Rockford Files, if there was a TV show in the seventies and eighties, he was a character actor in it. Mm. Uh Hawaii Five O, dude's been fucking everything. Oh, he died in seventy nine, so never mind.
2: <laughs> he did everything up that until seventy nine. Yeah, yeah. Anything after that, his work gets a little
0: bit
1: yeah. uh, so David yeah, fine. He starts to try to push the bus and everything. He tells all the kids get back on the bus,
0: and they're just taunting him. They are terribly. fucking taunting him at the back window. <laughs>
2: this is yeah. This is oh man. It is, it is such a kid thing that would happen. Oh, too. I know. Especially like in the early seventies, mm-hmm. they're making faces and they're laughing at him. And so when he just, can't, when he pushes, he's the, emasculated by children.
1: And when he can't move the bus because of what he clearly said was going to happen to begin with—that it mm-hmm. wasn't going to work. The kids are like, he can't do. Yeah. And I'm like, the yeah. fuck is it his fault?
2: And when he pulls up, they're like sitting on his car. And he's yeah. like, get down. Get You're gonna not dent listening the hood. to him. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're not mm-hmm. listening to him at all. And so he does get his
1: car stuck. Yep. The bumper gets stuck underneath the back bumper of the bus. And
0: now he's stuck. Yep. And which, then, and it's that great like negative defeatist attitude that he's like, oh, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah, yeah,
2: even though he still did it. <laughs> Except uh, Trekker shows up.
0: Yep, yep Trekker drives right past him. Just ahead, there's like a tunnel.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is actually, that's also still a location you can go check out too. Which oh, I cool. thought was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, the truck just shows up there,
2: and it doesn't like it turns around, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yes, it yeah.
0: it goes
1: up, and, and it, it makes, just stops. It stops, but it starts to turn around. So David's freaking the fuck <laughs> yeah. out. Like all the kids are now back off the school bus. And so David's like, you got to get all these kids on the school bus. And he's like yelling. And the driver's like, the kids are fine where they are. Yeah, they're not in the road. (laughs) Like, they don't listen to him at all. So he goes and finally gets... And he's trying to corral him. And even at one point, the bus driver's like, don't touch the kids. Yeah. (laughs) So he goes and now he's freaking out. He gets the driver to get in his car to throw it in reverse and he's going to jump on the hood of the car. Mm-hmm. Like the car be damned. It's going to be dented or whatever. A couple whatever. Of dents. Who cares? So he starts jumping on the hood of the car to undo it. it finally does come through. and But now the trucker is coming yep. towards him now. So David's freaking the fuck out. Yep. Gets in the car. Pulls away as fast as he can. The trucker... <laughs> Swings around.
2: <laughs> yeah, and David stops up the hill and looks back. And yeah. the
1: trucker is giving the busload of kids a push.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And pushes it on like, <laughs> yeah. you know, just normal day. <laughs> it's like, what the <laughs> hell, what? Yeah. Um, so then we continue back with our cat and mouse.
0: Yep. Well, he gets to, what was it? There's a train crossing.
2: Gets to the train crossing. Um... <laughs> uh. And he stops, and he, like, he goes to sleep. He falls asleep, he stops there. Well,
0: that's, that's later, I thought. Is that later? This is the first one where he gets there, and as he pulls up, like, the, the, I just lost the word, the the bars, the things, the whatever. Yeah,
2: that's that scene, because he, he, he's taking a nap. No, that, he no, does no. that
0: later. You're thinking of later when he hides out and he's waiting. This is the first one where he starts to push him towards the train, right? Right, because he gets stopped there, and the train's coming, but it's not quite there yet. And then the truck runs up on him and tries to push him out to where In, the train into is into where the train would hit him because he puts on like the emergency brake. He does everything he can oh, to try okay. to not move.
2: Yeah, you're right. I'm getting that confused.
0: And I, yeah, I don't remember how, how does he
2: get
1: out of it. Um, does he end up going through it like right before the train gets there or something?
0: Right as he kind of loses control, the train is finished passing. Yeah, he was like about to hit it, yeah. and the train goes, and then
1: he just takes off. And this is where this is one of my and, only real qualms with this movie is sometimes I feel like there's too much cat and mouse, Mm -hmm. when I feel like we could have had something else happen in between that was a little more definitive.
0: I could see that, maybe.
1: But each time we get the cat and mouse, it's ramped up. Yeah, yeah. Each time, there's more and more of, like, I'm going to kill you. So,
0: like, he gets pushed through that, like, right at the last minute, and then he immediately pulls over Mm -hmm. and lets the trucker go on. And this is where he decides, like, I'm just going to... Stay back here. Cruise as slow as I can yeah. and just relax. Let him get far, far away.
2: And I'm thinking, you know, at this point, I'm just turning the hell around and going back home. Yeah, leave the account. The, the account, who cares? At what point I'm, do you give up? Like, Right. I mean, after all of this, I would have just <laughs> waited till he was out of sight, turned around.
1: This is also, though, where I think... But that, I guess, I
2: don't know, maybe his job, maybe the account was... Maybe he was sunk if he loses this. Well, I
1: think on, like, this is where that scene where he calls back to his wife... It helps. It really helps because yeah. you start to see that he feels defeated right. everywhere he goes. Everything he does, he feels defeated. I'm not going to be defeated in this. Right. I'm going to get the there. Thing. He's not going to let it go. Yeah, I'm going to get there. I'm going to prove that I'm a man and I can, <laughs> you know, land this gig
2: or whatever. Um, and so this one, I think... Well, he's got some other motorists passing him, and then he sees the truck parked up on the side of the road.
1: Right, yeah. right. And this is the old couple, right? That's, uh, that's a
0: little later.
2: Okay. Yeah, this is just some some random. Because this is again
0: kind of Michael, I think, where you're talking out there. Could, this kind of just some filler. Because it's again, they're on the road. The truck's antagonizing him, and eventually he sees another gas station up ahead.
2: Right, because that's where there's. Some... Well, it's also like the, the car passes him. And he's like, and the truck does nothing. Yeah. You know, so it's obvious that this truck is just after him. Right.
1: you know, So he does eventually come
0: to this... Um, it's the Snake-O-Rama gas station.
1: God damn, this gas station is so fucking cool.
0: <laughs> I would go here in a heartbeat, man. Um, the lady is played by Lucille Benson. And she's also a gas station attendant in uh, 1941, directed by Spielberg.
2: Yeah, it's a big
0: flop. She comes out and she's like... He's
1: like, yeah, f- put as much ethyl as she'll hold. I don't know how much she'll hold. <laughs> and she's and he's like, do you have a payphone? She's like, yeah, around the back. And he's like, weird place for a payphone. Uh, but she's like, check out my snakes while you're over yeah, there. Yeah. And she has like all these containers full of rattlers. Um, like rattlesnakes. rattlesnakes. It's like, yeah, rattlesnakes
0: so, like tarantulas are in there. Um, fun thing I wanted to point out here. This is very just specific for my concerns. When he pulls in, there's this red wagon in the background. Hmm. And it's got this uh, sign on it that says, Dr. Stringfellow's Rejuvenator. Mm-hmm. That's the name of a night gallery segment, um, which yeah, was sort of good. sort of the later horror spinoff of Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm, yeah, which I think Matheson did some. Matheson before? wrote yeah. a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a fun little toss in. It is. Well, this is where the trucker. Well, he went, just he decides he's going to go to the payphone. Right, and he asks her where it is, and she's like, "Oh, it's around the back."
1: Right. He calls the police, right, mm-hmm. or he calls the operator. Yeah. And he tells. Operator, they want to talk to the
2: police.
0: It's very awkward because he's like, I want to report a guy trying to kill me in his truck. Yeah, he
2: doesn't know where he's at. Yeah, she's like, know. Well,
0: I'll connect you to the police then. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> and so, as it's like right as he's about to get. Oh, and there's a funny little goof here too when he gets in the phone booth. Did you guys see it? No. Where is it. You see a reflection of the crew. You see Spielberg in oh, the reflection. Of, I didn't of the notice class that's of The funny. phone booth. Yeah. Whoops! And you see him look down at the script. <laughs> <laughs> and he well, looks even from the reflection. You can just, he's so young looking. It's crazy. It's
1: as he's about to talk to the police. Mm. Here comes trucker and Bareling. just barreling. Yeah. And this time he's not slowing down. Mm. Like he is coming straight fucking for him. And it's such a well placed shot. That it's like that Jaws sequence, yeah. That where you know it's coming, and the way he frames it, like it's gonna run him over, and David gets out of the booth like right at the last
2: second. And that was really Dennis Weaver too. Was it really? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, they had they they had set up, they measured everything, and they knew how fast the trucker was gonna be going, and they put like little flags off camera, and at the last flag, um, if uh, Dennis Weaver didn't get out, the truck the trucker was supposed to swerve. Not actually hit him.
0: Dangerous as hell, but it is the same. Yeah, isn't it great? Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Actually, I read that uh, Weaver did a lot of his own like stunts for this. Even some of the driving stuff. There was some of it they wouldn't let him do, but he actually did a lot of it.
1: Well, I know Spielberg petitioned for him.
2: Like, yeah, because he he liked him a lot in Touch of Evil.
1: Yeah, they wanted him to. They wanted somebody else, and Spielberg was like, no. Mm -hmm. Um, And apparently, he said something. He said a phrase wrong in Touch of Evil that was he was kind of known for flubbing that he said instead of you have another think coming he said you have another thing coming yeah which i've always thought it was the dumbest fucking thing anyway another thing coming sounds better
0: anyway which he says that in the diner scene he does insulting the guy yeah
1: and it's apparently a kind of a throwback Mm -hmm. to where he did that yeah (laughs) um but the trucker after he destroys the phone booth
0: swings around for another pass and, and he's like on a rampage with this because he's just smashing the tanks yeah, with all the and, snakes. The woman, and the poor uh, lady's by snakes. My snakes. snakes.
1: <laughs> but as it smashes this, there's a rattler laying there now, and it like lunges at lunges him. Yeah. at David. He's got a fucking tarantula on his leg. <laughs> um, it's chaotic, man. Yeah,
2: gets back in the car, takes off,
1: and it kind of goes on again.
0: Oh, and I should say this: the rama gas station. It's still a place too. It's now the Pepper Tree Market.
2: But They don't have snakes, right? Probably not. Mm.
0: This is the kind of place that I feel
2: like um,
1: the kids from House of Thousand Corpses would have stopped at. Yeah. Check it out. Like the side, the roadside attraction. Was it the
0: book they're writing, I think? Yeah. Doesn't matter. Uh, it's nice, matters. <laughs> um, but yeah, so now the chase is continuing. And I think this is where... This is where he pulls off on an embankment right by some train tracks. Right. And this is what you're thinking of, Jason. Mm -hmm.
1: This is where he stops, and you get a whole lot of inner monologue of him back and forth, Mm -hmm. basically just fucking losing
0: it. And he decides he's just going to wait, like, an hour and just really give him the time, like, there's no way he'll be around still. Right. And that's he nods off as he's kind of mulling over things. And there's that jump scare with the the train whistle. You think it's the truck. And, uh...
1: See and see. Here's where that same thing hits me, because like, it's almost like the in between scenes, you almost get lost. You almost get them confused as to what happens in in the in in between scenes because yeah, each one is a a you know like a marker where we need to get to for the film's right
0: progression. But,
2: but David takes off again, sees the truck up there still just waiting for him
0: all that time, and he was just waiting yeah. just out of sight. And now this is where the old people are,
2: right? Yeah, he seeks yes. help from an elderly couple that come by in the car.
0: <laughs> and they're also reused by Spielberg. They're an old couple used in Close Encounters of the Third Kind in 77. Oh, okay. Interesting. Nice.
2: Interesting. Uh, they take off because they think he's crazy or whatever. Well, I love it
0: that he like starts to explain it, and she's just like, No, you're scaring me! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's like, Please, I'll pay you. Drive me drive me with you and take me out of here. <laughs>
1: And this is finally starting to come
2: towards the climax of the film. Yeah, I like the part. And this is what I was thinking of, like back at the diner. It's like, just go to the truck, you know, go to the truck, wait for the fucker, wait, you know, see who he is. And, you know, man's pulled over again and the truck's just parked up there up the road a bit. So he just starts walking toward it. He's like, I'm just going to go up there and face this person. But then the trucker just pulls off and drives up too far. For him to reach. But yeah. stops. Yeah, and then stops again. <laughs> it's like yeah. He's, there's no way he can catch up to him on foot. Well, I
1: do like that. I think it's very, it's a fun scene where he's just toying with him. Yeah. But I think this
0: is where David realizes,
1: like, I'm fucked, man. Yeah. Well, also there's, it shows,
0: too, like, you you can't reason with this guy. There is no de-escalating yeah. it now. There's no way out of it. And so this is where he
1: starts to try to get away mm-hmm. as best he can. Um, he floors it. Like, he gets in his car and just floors it and thinks uh, he comes up with a great
2: plan that he can't catch me on the grade. Yeah, he can't yeah. catch me on the grade.
0: I love that he shouts it out the window, too. Yeah. He can't like... catch me on the grade!
2: <laughs> and he is. He's gaining on the truck. He's pulling way ahead of the truck. But then that radiator hose.
0: Yep. Before that, there's another little... I guess this is like another scene you could maybe cut. But um, he thinks he sees a police car up ahead. Yeah. And he kind of swerves to go toward it, but it's like a pest control vehicle.
1: And the name on it is interesting.
0: Oh, I don't have the name.
1: Uh, it is uh, Spielberg backwards.
0: Oh, okay. It oh. is uh, <laughs> pest
1: control, uh, but Spielberg is written backwards on the pest that's control funny. truck.
2: Um, oh, and the yeah. railroad crossing. That was a scene added for the movie, too.
1: I thought it was, because mm-hmm. that's a very different pace yeah. of the I film. And also kind of in there. A lot of the stuff added is what makes the film better. I think so. Too. It yeah. really pads it out and gives you better story, and it's not just Makes a cat it feel and mouse bigger than just like the two of them. Right. Right. It's not just a cat and mouse back and forth thing. It's
0: you actually get inside the character's head a little bit. But yeah, Jason, you're right. He's going up the hill. He, he thinks he's pulling away, and we come back to the radiator hose. Yep. Yep.
2: And he starts. You know, he's not able to move and he barely gets up to the top of the, he's slowing down, barely gets up to the top of the hill.
0: Cause they set up earlier too, at one point when he's driving where it's like, he has to go faster than 60 most of the time to like outpace it. Yeah. Cause one time he talks about like, if I just leisurely drive, I'll forget and start going slow again. So now like he's been pushing it to like 90, almost a hundred. And you see it just start to drop slowly yeah. down, down, I mean, down he's
2: freaking out the entire
0: time. And when he's like just cresting the hill, he's at like 10 miles per hour. Yeah.
2: <laughs> there is a fun,
1: um, it almost feels like a supernatural element, but I don't think it is because if you look at the fact that how much this truck is souped up and he's got mm-hmm. like the the train track as the front thing, um, he's as he's going up that hill, he's like, how is he going this fast? Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be able to go this fast, yeah. and he's right. That truck should not be able to go that fast. And he thinks to himself, hill. yeah,
2: he he thinks to himself at some point that it's got some souped-up engine or
0: something. Yeah, isn't that in the yeah. diner when he's kind of yeah. first like monologuing? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Which
1: is interesting because it does add this fun element of dread to the thing because, like, yeah, you should not be able to do this. Why are you <laughs> able to do this? Yeah, which adds more to that fun characterization of the truck as mm-hmm. the villain. But yeah, when the radiator hose does blow, he's got a lead on him. But now he's screwed because oh. he can't go over 20 miles an hour, basically. <laughs> um, and he, he throws it in neutral, and he's just going to try to coast down this down major... Zone.
0: Yeah, he just makes it over the hill.
1: He's going to try to coast through the whole thing. Well, now his car's shot, mm-hmm. and he's completely screwed. And uh, this is where he makes his last stand, right?
0: Well, this is where he has the pretty epic like spin-out, and he yeah. slams into that wall. And the car
2: won't start, Where the truck's just bailing down toward him. Yep. He manages to get the car started. The truck misses him. <sighs> He drives up a bit more and then you realize that he's like on a like pretty close to a, a cliff.
0: Well there's like a dirt road that goes up yeah and like up to a cliffside. Yeah, he
2: takes that.
1: And so he basically baits the truck into him. Mm. That like at this point I can't do anything. So he baits the truck and essentially dives out of the
2: Well he uses his briefcase with all his like documents and stuff, which his, is a big deal. important business yeah. work. Right. He and uses he, that, puts that on the gas pedal. Yeah. Jumps out of the car. His car hits the truck. Flames go up because his car explodes. Uh, And you get like a cool shot from not not the driver's POV, but kind of like over his shoulder. Mm -hmm. And like there's flames all over his windshield. And
1: you think because there's there's a point that we haven't mentioned is that on the back of this truck, "flammable" is like written huge Mm -hmm. on the back of this tanker. Mm -hmm. So you think maybe that's going to blow up, which is what the execs wanted apparently.
2: And Spielberg said no.
0: Kind of my thought is like it's it's not like in commission right yeah, now. So yeah, it's empty. It's perfectly empty. Yeah,
2: yeah. This guy doesn't actually work for anybody. Right, he's, he's just, just <laughs> driving around this huge truck killing right. people. The only so thing the, I could think of is if you Mad Maxed it and
1: like it was actually holding um, gasoline, <laughs> like it was refueling the just truck as it sprouts flames now and again. Yeah, there's a guy on top playing <laughs>
2: guitar. Well, then the truck goes over the side and there's this huge big epic crash. This is the money shot. Yeah, they they can only do this once. <laughs> And they did a great job. It looks fantastic, and I'm glad that it didn't explode. Right, it shouldn't explode. I'm glad that Spielberg was like, "No, I'm not gonna." Yeah, because he thought that we needed more payoff instead of just a big explosion. We We also needed to see it slowly
0: die, and it made it more dreadful to me because it's like it pans over all the wreckage, and you're almost thinking like, "Is this guy just gonna crawl out of this?" And he's still kicking,
2: right? And you see everything kind of slowly stop, like the wheels are still spinning, Mm -hmm. then it stops, and you see. I think it's supposed to be oil dripping down onto the steering wheel. It looks
0: like blood, though. Is it blood or is it oil? Probably oil, I would say, if it's a TV movie, but who knows. What but I also, like, it's
2: like the truck's dying. If it's oil, the which, truck is dying.
0: That's what I wanted to say, what you just brought up, the wheels slowing down. It's like the truck is a creature. Yeah. And I've actually seen... Uh, let me see if I find it here. In an interview once, Spielberg stated that when he made this movie, he thought of it almost like a Toho monster movie. Like, if you took Godzilla but you made it be a truck instead yeah and it's just this truck source entity that's on a rampage right and uh he also
2: when the truck goes over the side he puts in a little bit of an animal roar in there yeah and which is the same one he used in jaws when the shark gets killed oh nice yeah.
1: I've always heard um like before I ever saw duel for the first time and then like I'd always heard of it as almost like the way it shot was Spielberg's inspiration for how he would end oh, up yeah. shooting Jaws. This, this movie informs Jaws it. so much. Yeah, and it's that's one of the things that led me to it. Also, the reason, first reason I watched this was because Finn Gulli played it. Nice. Um, <laughs> right. and, and he was like, if you haven't seen this, you need to see this. <laughs> well, so, TBS
2: played this back in the day
0: like all the time, so I saw, it, I a, saw it quite a few This times. is a big TBS movie. I just somehow it. never caught it. I don't know how. Yeah, that's yeah. weird. Well, there is a final scene we should talk about. So we see all this wreckage, and it goes back to David. And at first, he's like almost cheering with glee. He's like, yeah, I got him. Yeah. Got the thing. And then as it kind of fades on, he's just like exhausted, sitting at the side of the cliff, and he's throwing stones down in the canyon. And behind him in the distance, we see that the sun is setting. Mm Mm-hmm. And you just think about that moment and, like, he's there, he's got no car, he's in the middle of nowhere. He's
1: about to be in the fucking desert at night yeah. with no car and nowhere <laughs> he... could
0: still very
2: well be fucked.
0: And that's God it, man. The credits it. kick yeah, up. that's and where it stops. Yeah, crazy.
1: Well, yeah, Dustin, you said uh, you messaged us yesterday mm-hmm. as you... Or want to do. <laughs> and just like give us a little teaser of what you felt about the movie. And you messaged us yesterday and was like, so dual dot dot dot. And we were all like, oh shit. <laughs> Dustin fucking hated it.
0: I got to troll a little bit.
1: Yeah. Thankfully that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, this is a, I think this was an interesting one to start with.
0: Mm-hmm. Especially because if we're talking about these, this is like one of the front runners of when it really kicked up. Like it, into being a bigger thing. If you mm-hmm.
1: pull up a top ten list of oh yeah made for TV movies, this is number one or number two. It's up there. Kolchak in some lists does take over mm-hmm. the number one spot, but so it's really kind of just depending. Which is also on.
0: Matheson, so yeah, you know, it's all <laughs> exactly. <good>. Um, <laughs> I have some other fun facts. Yes, we should hit on. So let's see. Uh, they shot the film in only about twelve days. It's Crazy. apparently a benchmark for the fastest he shot a film. Kind of makes sense. It was lower budget. It was yeah. before before he could command right the time. Um, let's see. What else do I have? Um,
2: uh, okay. And I read I read some trivia about this. I'm not sure how true this is, uh-huh. but I mean, hit me with it. But apparently, the driver of the truck, there was supposed to be this mechanism. That was going to send the truck over the side without the driver in the truck. But it malfunctioned or something? So he jumped out? I
0: don't know. I didn't have and when the, truck,
2: to... when the truck goes over the cliff, you see the doors open. The driver's yeah. side doors mm. open. I thought that was on purpose. I, that's what I thought the entire time as a kid. I thought the driver had jumped out. because it's he supposed was going to come leave... out and get David. Or I know?
1: thought it was supposed to leave it open as a Michael Myers moment. Yeah, you know, so like... I don't know about the veracity
2: <laughs> of that story.
0: seems a little suspect um, this is a fun trivia thing so carrie lofton played the truck driver of course we only ever get these glimpses of him Mm -hmm. uh but this is from a thing where they said uh when he talked to steven spielberg about the role he wanted to know his motivation like why am i doing this and apparently what spielberg told him is you're a dirty rotten no good son of a bitch Mm -hmm. that's what else do you need there you go
2: Oh yeah, and the guy said something like, you hired the right person. <laughs> um, You're a dirty, I thought, rotten, no good son of a bitch.
0: I thought this was interesting, since we're talking about like television stuff. Some of these scenes were later used as stock footage in other TV shows. Yes. The notable one, there's an episode of The Incredible Hulk called Never Give a Trucker an Even Break. <laughs> and they took uh, the shot of the Valiant slamming into the fence, and then some of the like tanker truck driving, which they used in like TV news footage. Um apparently spielberg really wasn't happy with this nothing he could do and he wanted to sue them over it and kind of like get rights and control over that but because the studio owned the film and they owned the hulk they were just yep. like whatever it's our stuff that
2: happened a lot they would recycle footage all the time and
0: supposedly from that all his future contracts have always had a clause that prevent anything he shoots from being used to stock footage nice that's pretty cool
2: yeah um
1: we- Michael, go ahead. It's a different point, so if you get got another...
0: Uh, da, 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 let's see. Uh, the stunt driver who drove the truck, that was Kerry Lofton as well. So he actually did a lot of the truck driving stunts. Um, and it, obviously when we watch this, like you can feel the intensity of a lot of these things, especially when they're chasing each other. But in a lot of those shots, they were only going like 30 miles per hour. And so, to get that feeling and that sensation, he used a specially made camera car uh, from the 1968 Steve McQueen thriller, Bullet. Nice. And it could lower the camera to only six inches off the ground. Yeah, it was a little
2: much faster.
0: Gives you that feeling of speed and intensity. mm mm-hmm. um, He also did a lot of filming the vehicles against the background of the cliffs, which combined with an upward angle perspective from the wheels, gave made this optical illusion of speed far beyond what they were actually doing. Yeah
1: i think that is a that actually is a perfect segue to what i was going to say is that we talk a lot like when we watch films that are like maybe you only have like the director only has like one or two film credits or whatever mm-hmm. but you just see talent yeah. <laughs> like the oh, second you watch it you're like he went above
2: and beyond for this thing
1: and you and it's just you see these people see films so much differently like when they're watching like for Spielberg to look at this, yeah, it's a team of people you know, mm-hmm. to, to figure this out. But just the thought that goes into that, mm-hmm. to how are we going to make this believable? How are we going to sell this and make this look as good as possible? That's just something that you don't see from a lot of other directors. It's just for some of them, it feels like, well, this is the best we can do, so this is what we got.
0: Mm. And I think, too, like I said earlier, a lot of people compare made-for-TV movies to B-films. And when you talk about that, it's always this idea, like, they're lesser. The camera work's lesser, the acting's lesser, all of that. And then you get to a film like this, yeah, and it just flips all of that and throws it out the window. It's theatrical
1: quality, yeah. It's, I mean, this is like, it's like watching, I mean, it's Spielberg. You know what he's going to do next. You know, you you've seen his whole career. And even the worst Spielberg movies are better than a lot of shit. Oh, yeah. So... Granted, I think Spielberg's made some choices later on in his career that's like I don't he's know done, some, it, done that. Yeah, not everything's been.
2: Great. Everybody has their moments,
1: sure. But this is just you—you you see from it's Duel, a, you can't deny his talent. Yeah, you, know? you see like, oh shit, this good dude's gonna do some stuff. Yeah, and then he goes and does Jaws.
2: Well, Sugar <laughs> Land Express came before that, which is criminally underseen. Sugarland Express is pretty good. I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah,
0: I've got two more fun little fix. Okay. So the DJ that makes that call, the whole like Synthesis Bureau thing, that's actually an LA radio personality called Sweet Dick Whittington.
1: <laughs> God damn, that's a good name. He was apparently
0: popular in the area okay. and they tapped him for that uh, call. So that's that's interesting. How do you get that name? I mean, I feel like I know I feel like I know how you get that name. I guess when your first name is Dick, you just lean into that. So
2: there's worse ones than Sweet Dick that you
0: could be named Yeah. <laughs> Uh, here's the other one, and I wanted to talk about this because I think it was an interesting thing to think about in terms of narrative. Apparently, originally, when Matheson had to take this from short story and make it into a screenplay, he knew he needed to beef it up and add more to get that runtime because it is a short story. Mm-hmm. And his initial thought was he was going to have David's wife in the car with him, and it was like a thing they were doing together, and then she would kind of be his counterpoint and a lot of the conversation and exposition would come from them talking to one another. Oh, I'm glad he didn't do that. And then as they were gearing up for it, kind of like later on, he decided it would really be better if it was this like isolated journey, just like the short story. And that was where they kind of worked out, well, we can have this internal monologue and that can kind of fill in those silent spots. Hmm. So what do you guys think about that? Do you think, would it work that way? No. No? I don't think so at all. And And I think Matheson knew that it wouldn't work because part of it is the isolation i think is he has no one else to rely on and this is like you know the 70s there are no cell phones he is out in the desert there's just the next stop that he ever comes to that's his only safety or only thing he can hope to get to yeah all of these
1: stretches in between are just death mm-hmm. at any turn man that sounds like it should be a tagline for the film <laughs> <laughs> death Hell at yeah. any turn uh, I think it's probably pretty obvious what we think about the film, because we've gushed about it so much.
0: But we must hold to tradition. So, Michael, what did you think of this?
1: Uh, this is a four-star for me. I won't, I won't like, tease it or anything. Mm. Just straight out of the gate. Four-star for me. I think this is a quintessential... One, it's a quintessential car movie. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't have the cool shit like Bullet and like the over-the-top car chases, but... The intensity is there Mm -hmm. and the blueprints for all other car movies are there too (laughs) yeah you know like when you talk about chase scenes and films this should be up there on people's lists it's not flashy Mm -hmm. like a lot of the other chase sequences that would come in the 80s and 90s and later on but it's damn good oh yeah and this is a perfect example of how you can tell a story through action like I, I think one of the things that's lost a lot and what stuntmen talk about a lot is every move that a stuntman makes needs to tell a story. Mm-hmm. You, Every action maneuver needs to advance the plot. And for the most part, I think Duel does that. There are some times where I feel like it does get a little, a little lost, mm-hmm. which is why it's not a five for me as well. Um, that I feel like I just want it to move on mm-hmm. a little bit more, but it doesn't. It is what it is. You know, if you took out those parts, you probably still would only have a 74-minute movie, you know, and then you'd <laughs> yeah. have to go back and pat it some more. Uh-huh. But again, it's a short story by Matheson. Sometimes short stories, they're just short. They don't need to be anything else. Yeah. yeah. I don't see why this movie couldn't be 74 minutes. Like, i it's stupid that it has to, like, well, to play it in theaters, we can't have it be 74 <laughs> minutes, you know? Because what if that's all it needed? mm mm-hmm. And I think that it easily could have just
2: been that. And right, still... that's, that's the arbitrary thing. It's like someone decided that a movie has to be, you know, X minutes long. Right.
0: The other thing I think of that the flip side is like the first Halloween, right? They were going to show it on TV and they needed it to be a little longer mm-hmm. to shore up. So they shot those extra scenes and they're just kind of like, poof whatever in there.
2: Yeah, kind of filler. <laughs> the, the extra scenes they shot for this work really well, though. Yeah, I, mean, I so think yeah.
1: the film wouldn't be the film that I like mm-hmm. had it not been for those, but there's a reason that I chose this as my film. Cause I think it's great. I also think it's underseen. It's kind of looked over. I'm sure. I mean, clearly I hadn't seen it. So, well, I think there's probably a lot of people who did see it and maybe forgot about it. Cause you saw it when you were a kid, like Jason did when it was on TBS mm-hmm. or whatever. And you just forgot about it. And then if you go back and watch it as an adult, you're like, oh,
0: shit. I'll say, too, I guess I've never seen like it originally to compare it to, but seeing it restored in like Blu-ray quality, man, it's just such a gorgeous film. That's how I watched it. I yeah. actually
1: rented it on one of the streaming yeah, services. Yeah, me too. So it was...
0: But it is that new print for the Blu-ray. Yeah. It's just gorgeous.
1: And the, the new updated artwork for this is kind of shit. They always are. <laughs> that happens so, a lot it's easy to
0: look past this like you see the box cover and you're like no <laughs>
2: yeah um, unless it's a boutique label the, the covers always suck anymore yeah so
0: one of the things i always thought about is um what well, there's like maximum overdrive there's hmm. a movie called trucks for me like when i was younger i just kind of like duels another one of those where it's like oh there's killer vehicles running around what do i care
1: this one unlike maximum overdrive was not fueled by cocaine yeah <laughs> and paid for in cocaine <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it shows
1: yeah so yeah, four star for me. Totally check this out. It's easily available too. Like I rented it. I paid money for it.
2: <gasps> oh my god!
1: You so know that, it's a good movie if Michael, Michael pays money for I it. I paid you know three three ninety nine for this one, <futters> dude. Four twenty three after tax. Thank you very much.
0: Damn. Thank you very much. I think the blu-ray is only like 10 bucks though. i know i forgot to order it though <laughs> no. and i realized that yesterday i was like shit i didn't no. order the blu-ray if you just borrow. rent it twice that's the blu-ray oh, yeah, thanks fool. dustin you, you don't
1: have to keep fool. grinding it in I How to much advocate for being up. a collector yeah um, and whatever go okay. on
0: so me uh things i love i love the desert as a setting, as a place, mm-hmm. the visuals—I always love that. Classic. I love road movies, where it's predominantly you're in a car and you're traveling somewhere and stuff's going on. Any mm-hmm. movie like that, you automatically get like at least a star from me because I just love that premise and that setup and that concept. I loved so much about this movie, and I'm so glad I finally saw it. I think I've praised it enough along the way, so I'm not going to belabor the point. I think it has a really strong like Twilight Zoney feel to it. Oh yeah, yeah. For where if, sure. this, if this was just an episode and they kind of blew it up with a bigger budget which makes sense when you know how much Matheson was involved in the Twilight Zone. Uh, I just think it's amazing. I think it's great. I don't think it's like perfect. I think I'm with you, Michael. There's some stuff I could see changing or uh, some parts I wish were kicked up a little more, but I know that's the budget constraint. So it is what it is. Basically. I would be right there with you at four stars.
1: Nice.
2: I concur. Four stars. Man, I'm
0: feeling the love these last few episodes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's
2: it's a seminal film for me. I mean, it's one of the first, you know, in air quotes, horror films I saw growing up. And it led me to, you know, I mean, Richard Matheson's one of my favorite writers, if not my favorite writer. Like, I don't think we would have... To me, he pretty much invented the the modern horror story Mm -hmm. because he started writing like, you know, in the 50s and 60s and stuff.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I think people always say like, oh, Lovecraft started so much. And it's like, that's that's true and that's cool. Mm -hmm. But I think Matheson's like the next link. He brought it into the modern age. Matheson's
2: also accessible. He's accessible and he he had that short, terse, more like a Hemingway type style. Which was perfect for film. Right. And, And was much more modern and he dealt with more modern issues. He wasn't stuck in the 17th century.
0: And I think what you said raised a good point too. This is like an excellent gateway horror film. Like it's not really a horror film, but it's so on that line that like, if you were new and you're trying to get into this, this is a good one to like watch first Mm -hmm. before you delve into further things. And talking about
2: road rage and stuff like that. I mean, that's sometimes I have that fear. It's like Mm -hmm. like my wife will sometimes get extremely irritated at people (laughs) on the
0: road.
2: And I'm like, yeah, don't do that, especially if you're alone. Don't go out of your way to show them your irritation. Yeah, because especially around here, people drive with fucking gun racks. Yeah, a fully loaded weapons. <laughs> I don't
0: own
1: uh, a gun, much less mini
0: gun. necessitate <laughs> <laughs> the use for a rack, right? Stacey. And who's
2: to say one of these fuckers isn't just gonna stop and start, you know, spraying lead everywhere? You see enough of it, like viral videos mm-hmm.
1: come on, and it's like people getting out of their car and like slamming yeah. on somebody else. I'm right. like, what
2: the fuck? And this movie. Uh, encapsulates that perfectly you know maybe it's not road rage exactly but it's the sort of thing that could could happen
0: and now there's all those like dash cam videos too yeah where you just like directly almost like found footage style see the road rage as it happens Mm -hmm.
2: um so i think this still even though it's set it's made in the early 70s i think it still has it resonates today the whole machismo subtext yeah for sure toxic masculinity or you're not a man unless you can go fight somebody bullshit stuff like that (laughs) um and and spielberg i mean the direction's just we all know he's a genius but i mean it's like it's so interesting seeing this his first real movie and everything he would go on to do it's just like two creative giants and it's perfect it's a great movie and you would give it four nice yeah yeah
0: Nice, nice. So nice. maybe not
2: perfect exactly. I have some right. qualms that you guys do. Like mm-hmm. some of the scenes could have been shorter, or maybe rearranged or something. And you're right. right. Maybe maybe 74 minutes is right. Maybe they should have left it in the bus scene and taken out something else. You mm-hmm. know. But <clears throat> I mean, who knows? Yeah, that's splitting hairs. At and that maybe point.
1: we'll see when we get through the rest of this block. Maybe we'll see that's a continuing problem throughout made for TV films. Mm-hmm. Is that they have such these constraints on them, they have to be this and they have to be this right. in order to be a made-for-TV film. Maybe that's one of the things that hinders them.
0: Mm-hmm. It makes know? me think almost of, and one day we will go back and talk about this more, but Pink Films, they had all those stipulations. It has to be so much time. There has to be a sex scene every so many minutes. Right. You have to do this, da-da-da-da-da. Well, parameters
2: you have to hit. And so
1: maybe we will see from these other films, like, can a good director overcome...
0: Well, I think that's the thing is that when you have a good director, they can take these constraints and still kind of weave that into something magical. Right. And
2: uh, Constraints breed uh, creativity.
0: Yes, absolutely. That's
2: the problem with most modern Hollywood blockbusters. If they got all the money in the world and there's no creativity, you're not seeing anything new. It's the same old shit.
1: You need somebody to say, you need a Roger Corman to be like. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't have that in the budget.
0: Yeah. Do something else. Figure so we'll it out, man. It. Yeah. Here, here's this poster. Make a movie, please. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Michael, I, this is awesome. I'm glad you picked this film. Yeah. I think you've mm-hmm. set the bar high starting out. On I was yeah. real nervous. For TV for movie I was stuff. so
2: nervous about this one though. No, I, th- I no. thought Dustin would like
0: this one. Easy self. I me, find man.
1: myself like everyone I pick. I'm like, is Dustin gonna
0: like? You it? probably didn't know that I love Joyride so much, and that if you had known that, you'd be like, well, of course he's gonna love Duel. <laughs> well, the,
1: I was glad though that Joyride came out of this because
0: <laughs> one thing I make my
1: wife do all the time, like the first time I met her. And the first Christmas we had together, like, we'd see a candy cane, and she would just go, (laughs) candy cane. And so now, like, every Christmas I get excited because she's going to, at some point, go, candy cane. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, it makes my day. It really does. I'm just saying,
0: go back and give it a shot. I didn't dislike the movie. I just loved I, it my way. I was a little harsh
2: on it. It's not terrible. She's not <laughs> wrong in her impression of the dude. No, she's it's not. just yeah.
1: it's the way she does it. It just makes me happy. Okay.
0: <laughs> Gandag. It's those little things. <laughs> Alright, Jason. So Michael has set this high mark we're gonna have to try to hit.
2: He has. He truly. Luckily has. you're up
0: next, so I can see see how you go.
2: Alright. We're going to go with a movie that I think needs a lot more love. It needs like a good Blu-ray release, which it does not have. It's not streaming anywhere. There's places you could go to get it. There's a horrible version on YouTube that looks like crap and it's in 4.3.
0: You said there was a DVD, right? There was a DVD.
2: There's a DVD on Amazon. Oh, my God. It's like 17 bucks. Yeah, I know. What's
1: a DVD? It's
2: like, oh, inferior quality. But anyway, that's probably what we'll have to do. I'll probably buy that because this is another movie that I saw when I was probably too young to see it. And it it left an impression on me, it really did.
0: I think um, it's good to highlight stuff like this too. Yeah,
2: right. Yeah. But it was made for HBO, 1985. It's called Fortress. It was made in Australia. Oh, okay, so uh, cool. this might be our first Australian film,
0: maybe. Yeah, Nightingale hit kind of close, That's, but not quite.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right, right. There's New Zealand. Yeah. I'd say New Zealand would be like, fuck you, we're not Australia. Um, basically, Geographically.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the, the basic plot is, after being kidnapped for ransom by four criminals, a school teacher and her students flee into a cave and build fortifications in anticipation of a decisive
0: battle with their captors. Hmm, interesting. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Kind of sounds like something we've never really touched before. That's cool. Yeah, I think so. Awesome. So,
1: this has been a fun episode, guys. I'm happy to talk about this movie. Love it, and I hope too. Uh, Dustin, as always, will put all of this in the show notes. So mm-hmm. if you don't check those out, give it a second just to look through those. Like he spends a lot of time on them, like making notes and stuff. I'm not gonna like, you know, pee on his leg or anything about it. But <laughs> I really, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. That's a
0: weird reference. I was, I don't know. It's okay. Uh, it's fine. You mean like hump is leg? Just just in the show, man. Just sure. go on to your, to, your, to your next part there. <laughs> Check out Dustin's
1: notes. There's a lot of really fun info in there that mm-hmm. kind of leads you down some rabbit holes. If you're just you know
0: yes, because we can't cover everything. We would love to, but we we're pretty good at like not going beyond two hours if we can help. Yeah, it, you so. guys don't want to
2: listen to us longer than that.
0: I'm sure. Yeah. That.
1: And another thing, I hope you get out of this is uh, if you're not an avid reader. Um, check out some Matheson. Read some Matheson. Yeah, I don't know if
0: there's any of his stuff like up online free somewhere, but I'll look and if I can find anything, I'll I think there on is. There.
1: I think the Gutenberg Project has some of that. Cool. So we can find some of that. It's great, short, digestible things. So if you're not a big reader, I th- still think you'd love Matheson. Oh, yeah. Uh, very digestible. And if so. you're a
2: Stephen King fan, you will love Matheson because King would not exist without Matheson. Mm-hmm.
1: So I really hope that kind of maybe leads you down this road. So again... Dustin will drop those show notes. Check them out. Great information in there. A lot of fun stuff. Yeah. As always, guys, continue to write us. Makes our day when we get a comment come in on the Insta
2: or the Twitters. Yeah, let us know what TV movies you love.
1: Yes. Yeah. We don't, because, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't always have to be like a listener suggestion. Just pipe in with one that yeah. you love. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, because we usually chat back with you. So oh, yeah, we'll have a good conversation. Mm -hmm. so as always guys thank you so much for listening and until next time you've been listening to genre exposure bye everyone take care